What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome back to the GOAT District. I'm JD at GOAT District. If you're coming back to us, we appreciate you hanging with us once again. If you're new to the channel, smash the subscribe. We bring you the VIP guests on the weekly. On the Actually, we're way more than weekly. So uh, smash the subscribe. Make sure you tune in regularly, I should say. Guys, we've been bringing in the top scorers, the top winners in fantasy the most consistent winners in high stakes, guys you don't hear anywhere else. But we also bring in the top analysts in Fantasyland. And tonight we have a special one, Zachary Kruger, underdog, four for four, Rotoviz. You hear him on the best ball show. Tonight's a big one, guys. Just like every other GOAT district, put on your tapping shoes, go do some stretching, because we about to dance. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. What is up, guys? Welcome back. Shout out to FF Manbun for the sick lyrics as usual, and for Dan Made Graphics for making them dance for our eyes. Guys, how you doing, man? I mean, how exciting is this time of year? I know we hate injuries, but let's face it, Dan. It's kind of fun if you're in Dynasty, you like to trade, and you're drafting some high-stakes monsters right now. Right. Yeah, nobody wants to see the injuries happen. There's no doubt about that. But uh, the, the shakeups that happen are, I, I think, good for, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of teams, a lot of leagues, just to, to kind of, you know, if, you're, if your league is a little stale, these are the kind of things that are going to make it uh, work out a lot better. So uh, make sure... Make sure you're uh, keeping on top of the news and uh, using that news to your advantage. And and that's all I mean, the, the ripple effect. We definitely yep. do not want to see anyone getting injured, right? Especially our, our heroes that we play this game off of feel the ripple effect causing, you know, whether it's dynasty, best ball, any kind of draft or league that you're in in fantasy right now, there's an effect. And the guy we have on tonight, I mean, we're going to drop some goodness and help our people know exactly what they need to be doing during this crazy time as we approach the season. Yeah, it's it's, it's just crazy. I mean, uh, we just sat down and, and we drafted with the three of us last night. Um, and then ETN goes down and nobody really thinks anything of the injury. All of a sudden you hear a report after the game that he's in a boot. And then you wake up and it sounds bad. And then you hear it's a list, Frank, and the season is over. 
Um, things just escalate very quickly in the preseason. And, um, you know, like you said, it's a ripple effect. It not only affects uh, ETN, it affects James Robinson, it affects LaVisca Chenault, it affects, um, you know, the, the Jaguars kind of as a whole. It potentially affects Marvin Jones. I mean, it goes down the list. So it's, you just got to keep rolling with the punches. And, um, you know, nobody cares if you had a guy that got injured. You've got to be able to recover in fantasy and keep grinding and keep grinding. Losing your fifth-round pick in a redraft league is not going to ruin anyone's season. Um, so it's it's August. You know, you got to hit that wire. you got to make your team better. I'll, I'll yep. keep throwing it on the table. I, I won my biggest dynasty league with Kittle. On, on the sidelines all season last year. So guys, don't give up, man. Don't give up. Look, maybe some, a couple of your best ball teams are, are maybe hurt. You, you move on. You draft more. We still have time, guys. We're, we're drafting more of these things. And tonight's guest, I mean, you know this guy from Rotoviz. You know this guy from Underdog. You know him from the best, best, best ball show. Maybe I threw in an extra best, but I just like him that much. Mr. Zachary Kruger, welcome to the GOAT District, brother. We got a lot of goodness to talk to you tonight and we are so pumped yeah yeah thanks for having me on guys uh you did throw in an extra best but it's a it's a nice uh, little flair on the show i appreciate you uh listening and thinking so highly of the show so uh thank you it's been a lot of fun doing that calm kelly fun doing a lot of stuff i've been able to do this off season so ready to hop on here with you guys and talk some more shop yeah we're Absolutely. pumped man. We got... oh sorry dan go ahead nothing for me sorry oh sorry brother <laughs> Sorry, brother. I think I think I might be on a bit of a delay, so I might uh, jump out really quick and come back. But just to let the folks know, guys, first of all, if you're watching right now, you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe, smash the like button. That helps the show, the channel big time. We're going to keep bringing the goodness tonight. First of all, we're going to do he NFL headlines, rapid fire style, how we do it here in the district. We're going to touch on best ball. Guys, whether you're playing FFPC or underdog, you're going to want to watch this show tonight. There's some serious money to be won in those leagues. We talked about the ripple effects. You want to make sure you're doing the right thing, and this is the place to find out how to do it. We're going to talk RBs, our favorite position, zero RBs, anchor RBs, Patriot RBs, any color RBs you want. We're going to talk tonight, and then we're going to hit, obviously, we'll, we'll touch on those receivers a bit. You know, they're a little, they're a little uh, fancy, those receivers, but we'll touch on them a bit. Guys, let's get into the goodness. Zach, Zach, Zachary, I, I, you, you might get both tonight, just so you know. You might <laughs> Hopefully you respond to both because because I'm uh, I'm very inconsistent so I might uh, I'll probably even butcher it too at one point but uh, what, up, it usually depending on how much trouble I was in which one I got called so uh, uh, you know. yeah <laughs> so, that's, all, that's always it man yeah Zachary was the deadly one yes Zachary uh, and my middle name is Daniel if we reach two names that's when you knew you might as well just go go to your room and wait for uh wait wait to meet Dad a little bit later on down the line. But yeah, Zachary Daniel was when it got really bad. Just walk away with your tail between your legs, right? That's right. That's right. So for, for maybe those who, who don't know the in-depth, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, uh, you know, inside, outside of fantasy, your, your kind of trip through fantasy land that, that got you here and obviously touch on all the goodness that you're doing these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess I'll just kind of go with what I'm doing right now. Um, I do currently write for Rotoviz. I currently have a live stream that I do with them. Um, on a weekly basis, sometimes a bi-weekly basis, um, sometimes a couple times a week, just depending on kind of how it lines up for the guests. But uh, I do have another show coming out tomorrow. I will be live with Denny Carter at 8.30 tomorrow night on the Road of His YouTube channel. So if anyone's listening here, tune in tomorrow, check it out. We're going to do a best ball team and have some fun. We might even talk some CFL because Denny is the only person out there grinding that. So we might do that as well. Um, 
but yeah, so I got my live stream going at Rotoviz. I just wrapped up my best ball podcast that I co-hosted with Colton Kelly on Rotoviz Radio. Um, I got articles at Rotoviz. I have articles at Four for Four, um, and possibly some other things in the work a little bit later on down the line. Can't get into it too much just yet, but uh, keep your keep your ear to the ground. Keep checking the uh, the Twitter feed. Maybe we'll have some more exciting things coming up. But that's kind of what I'm doing currently. You'll definitely be able to find my content throughout the season there, and then. Um, yeah, as far as my overall fantasy background, started doing it in 2017 with uh, playerprofiler.com. Matt Kelly, super awesome dude. Uh, a lot of people know him. Uh, you know, awesome website, really good crew over there. And uh, I did articles with him for a couple of years. I did game charting with them for three seasons, which is always kind of a fun way to help contribute to a site you like just doing, uh, you know, stats and game charting and things of that nature. So I did that for a couple of years to kind of help with the site. And then, um, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm reading through the questions here just to kind of see what you have here. And then you just asked me, what's your favorite aspect of fantasy football things to write about deep dive into? Um, quite frankly, I really enjoy doing best ball. I got like one dynasty league, two dynasty leagues. I really am not a big dynasty leaguer guy. Um, that could change down the road. But I've really just kind of immersed myself into the best ball streets. Word of this has a lot of really fun tools to kind of mess around with best ball content. Obviously, like I said, I have the the podcast that I do with Colm Kelly. So, the, you know, if that doesn't tell you how deep into it I am, there's kind of the, the tip. I have a freaking podcast on heard of his radio doing it. So I'm, I'm into that. Um, I just think there's a lot of really fun options to explore with best ball. I think there's a lot of um, there's interesting historical things to look at in terms of trends, constructions, um, how you shape your roster to give it the best chance at winning over the course of a season, whether that be a 12 team uh, league or a tournament, just a lot of different ways to explore best ball. And I think a lot of things are still untapped. So, um, yeah, definitely part of my favorite aspect in terms of fantasy right now, producing content. Yeah, and, and there's uh, Dan and Theo will agree. There, I don't think there are too many episodes where we don't mention the Rotoviz tools. We are huge fans. Uh, obviously, playing you know high volume best ball, high stake <laughs> FPC, that sort of thing. I mean, it's it's a must. We we, we say it every week. It's a must. It's a no brainer. Uh, we love the tools and, and love what you're putting out there in fantasy land, especially the best ball content. Uh, you know, good best ball content is just fun if you're in the best ball, right? We're, we're all yeah. DGENs, let's face it. And uh, <laughs> and and it's 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 nice to hear really good content on it. We appreciate that goodness for sure. Awesome, I appreciate it, guys. So, guys, let's let's get into the goodness. Like my shirt says over here, smash. This is smashing pumpkins, but you know you get the message. Smash the like. Just help help the channel out, guys. Uh, let's get into the goodness. Let's get into hood to headlines tonight. Sorry. There's, I mean, you know, we talked about it coming into the show. Injuries are not fun, you know, it, it, anywhere. But the ripple effect is what we want to talk about tonight. Oh, what's up with the cat? That dude, that is an awesome. Is that cat beige? I don't know. Is she Is your is your cat Garfield? Yeah, you'd think so. I got two hanging around here. This one seems to like to sit next to me on the stream, but she's actually made more of an appearance now than before. So, uh, yeah, this is a. This is one of my two house pets here. Yeah, it's a nice cat. That's a nice cat. She got my attention. So. Yeah, yeah. She'll, it's a she'll, she'll it's a a goat district first. It's a goat district <laughs> yes. first. Yeah, the first that animal first appearance. Yeah. Dan, Dan, first cat. Dan, first cat. Yeah, Dan right. might have an animal come by later. Who knows? Yeah, I I have been known to have a cat on the screen at times. So. Good. It All happens. right. Well, good. We're we're amongst friends, and at least we got. Yes, our yeah, we're, we're we're very pet friendly, man. We, we can got, be the crazy uh, cat people. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, we got Absolutely. we got Cody Cody Carpentier. I, I just had to throw it in. Like oh, yeah, Cody yeah, Carpentier yeah. in the house. What's up? Shout out to friend of the show. So guys, I know that's that's your boy Zach, and that's uh that's uh he's been on the show. It was great. Yep. Yeah, Cody and Josh 
friends of the show, they're, they were awesome, man. So guys, go check out those episodes. They dropped a ton of goodness on, on all three episodes because Josh was on uh, twice. So we talk about the ripple effect. Let's go to Jacksonville. Speaking of Josh, one of his favorites, and he was on this very show, two episodes, <laughs> talking about this guy rubbed off on me a lot. I don't know about you guys. I'm, I have a feeling maybe a bit, um, but a big loss, you know, for a rookie that one of the top rookie running backs coming into the season. This is supposed to be rapid fire. I'm kind of prolonging this, but Zach, tell us how you feel about Etienne maybe before the injury, how you were coming in with it and how this changes everything for you in Jacksonville. Yeah, before the injury, I was high on him. Uh, Sean Siegel had him pegged as one of the players who he thinks would have an Alvin Kamara-like rookie season. Uh, coming in at the value that he was, like that sixth or seventh round, this was definitely kind of a screaming value if you were looking to do something with zero RB build, which you know a lot of people over at Rotovisor uh, tend to be angling for. So I really liked him and was definitely adding him to the rosters just kind of based on how Sean felt about him and, and what he brings to the table in terms of not just the running game, but the passing game as well. Um, sucks to lose him. Definitely had him on some teams that I hope uh, we'll still be able to manage, given that we're not even in week one yet. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and now it's, it's James Robinson season. I think Robinson's ADP was kind of always a little bit too low, given the way that we kind of thought he still might be able to use and be a part of a committee. He's going around some other guys, so I'm just not quite sure going to be able to contribute early in the season the way he was going to, even with ETN healthy. Um, I'll be curious to see how that ADP looks by this time, you know, tomorrow, the next day or so. Um, curious to see if James Robinson is going to be too rich for my blood or not. I'm not really sure what that's going to look like, but um, yeah, sucks to lose ETN. Curious to see what we can do with James Robinson in the next couple of days. Dan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's it, obviously terrible what happened to ETN. Um, you know, in, in my mind, um, Robinson, where he was going when he was, you know, dropping into the seventh, eighth round, uh, really wasn't a bad pick at all. It was definitely not a sexy pick, but, uh, you know, not a bad pick in that, you know, he's already succeeded and, and wildly so in the NFL. Uh, his head coach, you know, even though he drafted a first round running back to go with him, never said he wasn't going to feed him the rock and, you know, it kept saying that he was going to be very involved in the offense and that uh, they, you know, they envisioned themselves as, as a, a team that was going to use multiple backs. So, you know, just taking the cheaper option there, I think had a, you know, and especially when you have a more established option and as uh, you know, a friend of the podcast, Dwayne McFarland um, talks about it, a lot of times the, the, um, you know, the new running back, the, the rookie running back has a hard time coming in and taking over uh, for the, you know, in a, any kind of established running back. You know, if there's if there's like a gaping hole, uh, you know, like there is in Pittsburgh, you know, you can take Najee Harris and you can just kind of pencil him in. Uh, but when you're talking about even somebody like ETN or uh, Javante Williams or whatever, uh, you know, don't minimize what how much trouble they might have on seating, uh, you know, the starter in front of them. So, yeah. Uh, I think I think Robinson is definitely going to be bouncing up the draft boards. I'm glad I've got some cheap shares, but I don't know. Where do you guys think he's going to go? Zach, if you haven't figured it so out, I, yet, I, rapid fire over here is like a Portuguese goodbye. You know, it's like <laughs> we, we, my, my wife's Portuguese, so I can say that. But, okay. uh, you know, we say it's rapid fire, but we get into it, man. It, it's too it's too good to talk about. Theo, I, I said on the micro the micro ball and. For me, the big winner here is Chenault. Like that's that's where I see uh, some big wins in the short game. How do you how do you feel? Is it, I know you were also in on Etienne, if I'm not mistaken. So, 
I'm, I, I, my ETN exposure is, is more on the dynasty level. Um, I've, I haven't ended up taking them in any NFFC or FFPC draft. I have one football guys where I took ETN. Um, it was early on. Um, and I've, I kind of avoided that. Um, dynasty wise, I'm still a little bit concerned. Um, list Frank is no joke. Guys don't come back, you know, a hundred percent off of list Frank all the time. Um, you know, we, they, you know, you expect nine to 11 months. Um, so that kind of doesn't make him a slam up for next, um, you know, training camp. Um, so I'm a little concerned and dynasty. Um, and then to get back to Dan's question, um, I, I tweeted, I thought James Robinson would end up going in the fourth round in most of these high stakes leagues. Um, it felt about right. Um, I could see him getting dragged up into the third round, you know, around like kind of where Swift is going in the FFPCs. Um, I think people kind of have general um, fear of the Jaguars offense just being a complete dud. So I think that'll keep him down in the fourth, um, but somewhere in that range. Um, and then I agree with JD. I think LaVisca is the big winner here because, um, you know, I'm a fan of LaVisca. I've been drafting him, but I think the fear with LaVisca was that they were going to use ETN in the, in the manufactured touches, getting the ball around the line of scrimmage, screen game. Um, now I think it's kind of um, wheels up for, for Visca potentially, where he's going to get those low eight out dot uh, passes and potentially be used as a rusher a little more. So, um, yeah, it's a huge cascade effect. And um, I think Robinson, you know, I'm not sure how much I'll have of him. Just I, I like him like you guys do. I just think that it's kind of like an opportunity cost thing in that fourth round. Um, and yeah, I, I hope to get more LaVisca Chenault, but I think he'll be headed up until like the sixth or seventh. I, I love the comment, uh, from our, our boy, Jeremy, uh, it's the build the J Rob owners. I, and, and Theo, you talk about where he's heading. I mean, knock on wood, we don't have any more, but you have one or two more injuries in those top NRBs and he might be going even sooner than that, you know? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's weird. It's like, um, with with ETN, um, you know, Zach brought up the Rotoviz guys um, liking him, and I think there's been a lot of um, the kind of the, the zero RB or the or the anchor RB guys liked ETN a lot. It was kind of like Swift and ETN seemed to be the the running back that um, you know the a zero RB type drafter would get behind because they have the upside, the receiving ability, and now it's kind of like I think drafts might get even more wide receiver crazy uh, in those in some of those rounds. Um, it might be harder to get running wide receivers in the sixth round because some might just get pushed up. I mean, James Robinson's not going to appeal to every kind of drafter. Um, he doesn't have the draft capital. Last year he received – I mean, it was a perfect storm, I think, last year. Um, so I'm interested to see where the wide receivers end up in some of these, um, you know, leagues. Like we're seeing like Claypool and Judy go in the fifth every single draft now in FFPC. So friend of the show kevin wheeler uh one of the best rankers out there in the game gets the first air horn from a comment on the show carlos hyde on the block shout out to the goat district chat because we you know that's definitely that's definitely some goat district action there um but yeah i mean I, I, you know what we didn't do the rapid fire but i think that that's the biggest headline so let's go a little quicker through the next ones that was that was awesome goodness there uh out there in jacksonville with a lot going on we didn't even touch on the quarterback but that's maybe for another day anderson contract i thought it was interesting just because you know you've got a new quarterback in darnold going there you've got dj moore such high hope he's he's a pretty expensive piece when you're drafting these rosters you know does anderson uh does carolina showing commitment to anderson change anything and maybe just give us an idea where you were where you are uh on this 
whether it's the aerial game or, or whatever pieces that you are focusing on in this offense? Uh, yeah, so I mean, at least for myself, um, in terms of the way Robbie Anderson, you know, was used last season, it's kind of hard to imagine a contract really propping him up much more than what we saw last year. He had 136 targets. He finished with 95 catches for 1,096 yards and three touchdowns. Like that's pretty good target volume for a wide receiver who's possibly not even the wide receiver one on his team. If anything, I would say that, you know, I might still expect his numbers to just be a little bit lower with the return of Christian McCaffrey. I know that Mike Davis was there. I know he called passes. I know he contributed in a big way while CMC was out. But I am also concerned that if the Panthers are still not quite the solid team that, you know, they, you know, they need to be in order to maybe feature a little bit more of a run heavy offense and they could be passing a bit more like they were last season. And McCaffrey's return could lead to him seeing a few more targets than what Mike Davis saw last season, in the passing game. And then I also think Terrace Marshall is probably going to find his way into a higher target share a lot faster than we think. I mean, he's been absolutely ridiculous this off season training camp videos, just highlights galore. Uh, I know he burnt, I think it, I, don't, I don't think it was Marlon Humphreys, but I know he burnt the Ravens cornerback the other week in the preseason game like a 35 yard catch like it seems like every time chance marshall gets a chance to make a play he does it he's going uh Anderson's going around wide receiver 29 i think that's about right i don't know if i've been moving him up much higher just because of the contract there's still a lot of players who are going to get looks in that offense then now you know how i feel every time i pass it to you and you steal my goodness uh having <laughs> having these top end the, VI, the, the vip I'm guests, all the, no dude it, that's that's how you roll that's you know it's just it, you don't even have to try it just it just you cover all the base every questions i've asked you you've covered like it's it's awesome it's <laughs> awesome like, i just i yeah. tease dan i tease dan because i always try to give it to them first and then by the time it gets to me it's like I, there's not much more to say you know but i but we love that man that's that's awesome uh, uh, everything you're bringing is awesome i was gonna say the other thing is our guests just really seem to know that if they get on dan's good side early in the show it's a good thing for them. And you just spit out some Terrace Marshall goodness. And I mean, Dan, yes. did, did he not win you yeah. over or what? That, that, right there. That was that was all I needed to hear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Terrace, right. Terrace has been fantastic. Yeah. I've, I've been all over him since uh, before the draft. So I'm, I, I'm happy to see him. You know, Terrace, there's a couple things here with, uh, with Robbie Anderson and Terrace. You know, one is Robbie Anderson has t- ties back to Matt Rule. Um, and I think this contract is, is, Zach said, just kind of solidifies his place within the offense. It doesn't really signify another step up. It just it solidifies where he's at. And then, uh, you know, with Terrace uh, having ties to Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, uh, you know, that bodes well also for for him. You know, the guy that I'm maybe starting to wonder a little bit more about is DJ Moore and exactly what is his role in the offense. And, you know, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to be terrible or anything, but I, you know, I, I, I was a lot more excited about him earlier in the year than I am now. Theo, do you have similar concerns? Um, you know, I've, I've drafted DJ Moore and I still believe in his talent. Um, you know, he's 24 and he's had over 200 catches and, you know, he's had over 1100 yards back to back years. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, um, it's, it could be when Curtis Samuel left, um, you know, people wanted to make it, you know, potentially DJ Moore getting more targets. I think there's a chance that it's still a little bit more of a split between the three wide receivers and Terrace Marshall crushes ADP. Um, Robbie Anderson, you know, probably nearly meets, I think he's appropriately priced. Um, but I don't think, I don't see DJ Moore just smashing 
his ADP. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a balanced approach uh, with the wide receivers, with CMC just crushing every single week. So I don't know if I have concerns about DJ Moore. Like in Dynasty, I don't want to get rid of him. Um, if somebody sent an overwhelming offer, I guess I'd listen to it. But he's just been such a productive player. I just don't think he'll ever quite reach that ceiling that maybe we thought about like two years ago where he, he's going, you know, at the turn at Dynasty Startups. And now he's kind of like kind of a is what he is type player. He's like a fourth round pick and redraft. And I don't know if I'll, he'll ever reach much higher than that. Theo, I, I don't know if you know, but our our, our audience is, is pretty damn sharp. And, and our boy Benjamin disagrees with you a little bit. I'm just oh, saying he but, disagrees a little bit. But ball out. But like, but ben, Ben's our Ben's our boys. You know, he's, he's in our dynasty league. DJ Moore balling out, though. You know, if he if he, he's going to he's a fourth round ADP right now. Is he going to exceed the fourth round ADP? Like, I think he's going to hit it. I don't think he's going to hurt fantasy teams. No, but I don't know. I don't see him becoming like a top five wide receiver this year. And there's guys, you know, around that fourth round that I think potentially could could exceed, you know, what he's doing. Like, this is the ceiling for DJ Moore higher than the ceiling for T Higgs? You know, that's comparable guy right at the ceiling yeah, just, for I, T could be higher. The, the quarterback might be a little different. I don't know. If, if I could real yeah. quick, just when, when I look at DJ Moore, one of the things that I've kind of thought this season, and it's going to bite me when I'm not drafting him, and I, I, I realize that, but – this season, I've kind of viewed him as a wide receiver who I just kind of question, what if he's just good for pro football, but not good for fantasy football? Like, if you look at his numbers over the last three seasons since he's been in the league, he is one of the top receivers in terms of targets and receptions and yards. But in uh, looking at his numbers of all the receivers over the last three seasons who have 300 or more targets, he's dead last amongst that group in touchdowns with only 10. So... Um, I think that maybe what we really need from DJ Moore is kind of just some some touchdown equity to go with everything else that he's bringing to the table. Like the yards are there, the targets are there, the receptions are there, but he just can't find the end zone the way that we would want a player with his kind of ADP um, to be finding the end zone. So I do think there's a chance that he could bounce back, but he just also has so many other weapons around him who I think may just be better at finding the end zone than him between McCaffrey, who's versatile in the passing and the running game, and then also Robbie Anderson, who's kind of got the size to be that red zone target. And um, even, you know, this season when Dan Arnold is a top 12 tight end um, with, you know, six touchdown receptions, he is going to be eating TJ Moore's touchdown workload possibly. So uh, I appreciate no one reacting like I'm a lunatic there on the Dan Arnold comment. I, <laughs> no, no, I you're not the, you're not the, you're not the first Dan Arnold fan coming on the show. Okay. I'll yeah. say partially, but I partially believe what I'm selling there with that. But um, yeah, I just, if DJ Moore can get himself into the end zone a little bit more, everything else is there. And I think that that's going to be when those who slept on him, like myself, are going to kind of realize that the, the touchdown regression was probably bound to happen eventually. But even then, there is still some doubt in whether or not it will. Um, but that's my two cents on that. And shout out to Wheeler, who pointed out the touchdown thing as well. Like, DJ Moore had four touchdowns last year. If he would have just had seven touchdowns, which is not not at all crazy, especially for a guy who gets 40-plus you know, yard receptions multiple times a year, um, then I think he would have gone from, like, wide receiver 25 to, like, wide receiver 16 and the perception of him would be a little different. So I don't know. He's a, he's a he's an interesting player right now. But I think fourth round, fifth round. I mean, I think that's about right. Steve, uh, Wheeler saying, "Are we under drafting Darnold?" I just took Darnold uh, as my QB two behind Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, 
uh, as my QB one in the uh, 100K FFPC. And I got to say, I passed on like the Trey Lance because I had, you know, Kittle and Ayuk and I, I passed on Fitz. I got I feel good about it, guys. I, I, I kind of love the upside that I get from, you know, drafting Lawrence in the, I think it was 13th round or something. And then Darnold in like the 15th or, you know, in, in, in those like teens. Uh, the value is, you know, it's nice in these big tournaments because, you know, you, you hope that uh, something pops from the bottom and brings you to the top. But guys, loving the activity in the comment room tonight. Obviously, Zach uh, bringing in the goodness and bringing in the uh, the comments. Shout out to Wheeler, Jeremy. You guys are just bringing it. We appreciate all of it. Uh, Jeremy just met. You guys see a regression at all? I, I, I'd like to think so. I've seen regression the last two seasons since his rookie year. It hasn't really quite happened yet, but the numbers are all there that would support a, a positive touchdown regression for more. So hopefully 2021 is a season. Yeah, right. it would be, be nice to see. And I think, uh, you know, to uh, whoever's point it was about, uh, are we to, to Kevin's point about, are we under drafting Darnold? I mean, either we're definitely under drafting Darnold or we're way over drafting at least one or two Carolina receivers. Uh, yeah. You know, because they, they just don't make sense together. Yeah, agreed. That's the uh, that's the same problem with Ben Roethlisberger too. If we just want to kind yes. of throw that in there. Yep, absolutely. So, you, th these guys heard me last night when we were in our draft. I was uh, I was pushing hard for Roethlisberger as our second quarterback, but uh, didn't happen for us. We we didn't put quite a high enough priority on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Tried to push it too far. Harsh reality, we the goat district just sucks huge bags uh, it, when it comes to to going to, to going rapid fire in anything. But <laughs> but but at the end of the day, we are here to serve you, the people. Right at the end of the day, we want you guys to win. We want you to get something out of this to give you an edge. So we got to bust out the questions. Kyle Senra, my buddy up here north of the border, uh, big friend of, of myself and uh, and Fantasyland wants to ask us a question. I'm going to throw it real quick, guys. Real rapid fire. Chase Edmonds, Singletary, he's saying, is there a big difference? Uh, is the value Singletary here, Zach, or are you, or you think Edmonds is, you know, take him when you can? It's an interesting question just because their ADPs aren't that particularly close. For me, I would say that the big difference is that you're looking at one running back who probably has majority of the passing game work to himself. So in a PPR league or even a half PPR league, if you like Edmonds' value there because of that receiving upside, then I would go with him. Um, but I also don't hate Singletary's value um, where he's going at. I just, you know, he, he's probably going to give you more in the rushing game. And it's going to be more of a committee situation. I don't know that game script is going to necessarily steer him um, with being, you know, the, a player who severely outplays his ADP. Yeah, he's he's vanilla and, you know, Edmonds might be strawberry. And, and they're mm -hmm. definitely in different yeah. uh, tiers and different ends of the pool. But... I think what our boy Kyle is saying is, you know, is, is one that much different, you know, when you're looking at the difference, Dan, anything to add on the two running backs? I know Edmonds is uh, one of your boys. Yeah. And, and Singletary is too, a little bit, you know, I think the Buffalo running backs are underdrafted right now just because they had so many, uh, you know, I, I think positive regression is coming for them on TDs as well. Uh, they just, the, Buffalo scored so many weird ways. Uh, last year and you know you, I, I just don't see that continuing I think they're probably just going to get some more touchdowns and if one of the two can take over the job you know to a 65% share or something like that 
I think they'll be pretty valuable and uh, they're both cheap enough to speculate on. All right. Re super rapid fire. James Connor, Theo, yes or no? I, I've, I've drafted him before. I, I don't <laughs> mind having him when he's in like the 11th round, but I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not pounding the table for him. We, we literally blow goats on the goat district because we <laughs> suck so bad at rapid fire. Zach, 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 James Connor, yes or no? Give me 10 seconds. Um, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. I, I, I got no problem with James Connor. I love it, Dan. I love it. I love I, it. I, I will give a similar tepid endorsement. All right. Nice. You guys are awesome in the chat. I had to, I had to throw the question in there. Um, and, and our boy Kyle thanks us for the question. So real quick, we'll do rapid fire here, kind of similar to the yes, no Winston. Uh, we talked about coming on the show, leading the clubhouse as they say in golf. Um, Zach, is that, uh, is that something that you're going to hang your coat on or what's your approach on the quarterback situation in St. Saint Land? Yeah, uh, I mean, just, you know, real quick here, I'll just say that right now, if you're buying into coach speaking rumors and what's coming out of the clubhouse with a, a week to go before the final preseason game, get your uh, get your Jameis Winston now because the second that gets finalized, his ADP is bumping right now. You can still get him near the final round of drafts. So if you like him, get him. Uh, you'd be very bold if you put him in a two QB build, but if you put him in a three quarterback build, that could be really, really good value, especially if that comes true. Theo? No, I, I think it's I think it's clearly going to be Jameis, and uh, I I I think that you know we've all been wanting this to happen for fantasy. Um, I wonder the effect with Alvin Kamara. Jameis has never really been um, that that big of a checkdown guy to the running back, but I do think it's you know if if you have Kamara stock, you much prefer Jameis than, than, than Taysom Hill. At least you're going to get con some consistency there. So it's good for Kamara, it's good for Callaway, um, and it, if Michael Thomas ever decides to come back then it's going to be good for Michael Thomas. Dan, let me let me ask you this. If, if you're a Jameis team, you're on Team Jameis, you know, you got the Winston tattoo on your forehead, the whole deal. Do you prefer that a guy like Taysom Hill starts and then it goes to Winston so they give him a bit longer leash? Or are you thinking, you know what, get him in there right away so he can show his stuff? I, I'm going to get him in there right away, but I also have a, a, a stake in that. Uh, way back early this spring, I made a, a bet with uh, somebody on Twitter, uh, OSU kid, that Jameis Winston would be starting a game game one, week one, for an NFL team somewhere. Um, and so now I'm just terrified that they're going to start off with a trick play and it's going to be Taysom in there to, to start the game and I'm going to lose on the technicality. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> It'll happen. You know it will. All right. We're going to do a quick OTC on uh, this one. New England Patriots. Zach, Cam Newton or Mac Jones? Mac Jones for me only because I think that the Mac Jones there will be here sooner rather than later. If I'm building out my rosters, I don't have to build either of them into my roster as a quarterback too unless I'm really just getting risky here. So if I'm putting them on my roster, I'd rather have someone who I can contribute late in the season and hopefully give me some added points. I don't think Newton's probably going to be doing that unless there's an injury to Mac Jones that would lead to Newton reclaiming his job. Because I think eventually Newton will lose it. Dan, I, I feel like you're 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 along those lines. Anything different there? No, I'm I'm definitely a, um, more on the Mac Jones side. I just 
I, I don't think Cam has it anymore. Um, you know, and I think he can look good in stretches, but I just don't think he can look good for the season. And sooner or later, Max can get in there. <laughs> yeah, I still have one cam share in Superflex in the in the Super Goat, and I I just need him to give me you know give me a couple weeks, man. Yeah. Two three weeks. I, I got him in the Draft Sharks Invitational. Uh, I don't know if Cody Carpentier is still tuning in, but I got him in the Draft Sharks Invitational with Kobe Car Kobe Car Cody Carpentier. He felt like the thirteenth round. It was later than anybody else was taking, and we had him as our fourth quarterback in Superflex. So I would like nice. to get one or two weeks out of out of uh, Cam just for a little bit of fun. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah, there, there, there he is. There he is, Cody. We appreciate you tuning in. And we appreciate all you guys tuning in. If you haven't done it, smash the like. It's it's the, the quickest, easiest way to help us keep bringing you this goodness. That's my quarterback. That's, right. That's a, one of the That's best. our value quarterback, baby. Yeah, exactly. Yes. There you go. There you go. All right. The, 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 the comments are just going bananas tonight, which is awesome. One more real quick. Uh, we're going to go back to the yes or no, guys, real quick. Dan, Watson, yes or no? Um, yes. L like late. You know, we're thinking yes. late. Right? Like last He's going late. Last so we're, not, we're not saying top five QB here. Guys, late. You know, last pick. Kyle. Or Kyle. I see Kyle on the screen. Zach, you go. You go yeah. <laughs> yes or I no? Get, I get Josh a lot. Um, No, but no for me. Deal. 20th round, if you want to take them, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's if you uh, – I mean, 20 – Sorry, Theo, go ahead. Wait for the new, Wait for the news on the – whether he ends up on the the, the commissioner's exception list. Um, you can always just cut him, but if you get, right. you know, some starts out of him, go for it. That's, 20th round doesn't cost you anything. That's true. I, admittedly, I do have best ball brain, so I still kind of view that last spot as a, a spot where <laughs> I just rather – Put him on there, but if I can cut him, yeah, I, I might take a shot on him that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best ball, I, probably I love best not, especially eighteen round best ball. Don't don't take Deshaun Watson, but twenty eight round best ball. Yes, go yes, for that's it. a good point. That's a that's a yeah. fabulous point, and and I love the best ball brain because we were on last night doing a, a football guys, and I had yeah. I was like, guys, keep reminding me that this is not best ball because my brain isn't best ball right now i, mean, I, I, I assume of... everything i'm being asked is best ball and then everything i tweet i assume it's implied that it's best ball so like when yeah. someone pops into my thread and it's like what the hell are you talking about i'm just like brother like first of all you don't follow me so you're definitely new here second of all uh, it's, <laughs> it's best ball brain until probably like mid-august so which is now past that point so i should probably hold this trip so again just because we we're here for the people uh let's do a yes or no go back to you zach Cortland sutton uh he's healthy correct he's playing um so if he's healthy he's playing right now yeah Cortland Sutton all the way you can get him at a decent value I think he's part of a good wide receiver court uh quarterbacks are shaky but we've seen a lot of bad quarterbacks give good wide receiver seasons Theo yes or no on something give me Jerry Judy um if it you know I don't want to have two Broncos wide receivers and I'm a big fan of Judy um yeah so give me Judy Dan agrees same, yeah. I mean, you know, Sutland's going a little bit later. Makes him intriguing if you miss Judy, but uh, yeah, prefer Judy. Nice. Oh, Anna's in the house. Shout out to Anna who saved me the other day after I spoke to myself for an hour and a half on mute while I thought I was doing a play-by-play -play on my best ball. Just, you know, we're, we're very profesh, uh, but no, 99% of the time we're, we're on point. Just that when I go solo, it, it might go off the rail. Uh, so guys, smash the like. A lot of goodness tonight. 
a lot of goodness on Breeding and Global. Uh, you see the hat, the shirts, Dan, Theo, I know you guys can agree. You guys have been actually ordering even more consistently than I have wanted to. Uh, but the, like the gear is just comfortable. They got a ton of good stuff. Check out the goat gear, readingglobal.com forward slash collections, forward slash goat district. Uh, and just a bunch of fun stuff, Dan. Like if you have a favorite guy, like we're all super heavy on Gibson. I already got my JT t-shirt, uh, RB's matter, but a lot of fun stuff. No guys. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, the, the, the fit and the wear is fantastic. I mean, it's just, it's good quality stuff. It feels nice. So I'm, I'm all about it. I'm, I've got a, a, a third t-shirt coming, uh, in the mail and a hat right now. So they're on the way. All, all of the uh, fantasy like gear that I have is just like some of the comfiest stuff. You can tell that it was definitely built for guys who just sit in their basement and don't have lives. So. <laughs> <laughs> Super comfy gear. Like I don't know like how that worked out, but yeah, it's uh, all my fantasy stuff is like so comfy. <laughs> Zach just cut, killing cut a little closer, Zach. Love, uh... <laughs> yeah, Love it. My mom's basement. Jeremy, Jeremy's rocking the V gear right now, which is which is awesome, man. Whether it's our show or or your favorite fantasy show, a lot of shows right now out there, uh, you know, Will and, and Mark just built something awesome, you know, that with what they've done over there at, at Viridian. And guys, you you know how we roll, man. We we don't promote a lot on here. We might mention it every show because we're trying to get you guys to support them the way they support us. And it's also because we believe in it, like legit, you know, like I, we wear this stuff. It's comfortable. If it wasn't, I wouldn't tell you to go buy it. It's we're, we're literally like making, you know, so we're not like retiring off of this. Dan, Dan's not moving to St. Martin's because we sold like 10 shirts, you know, in the last month or whatever it is. Yeah, so. not yet. So buy more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. That's right. Yeah, they better the Tonight might be our record for air horns uh, by, by the end of it. But uh, all right, let's let's get back to the goodness, guys. I'm going to I'm going to go to Theo, um, you know, we we. We, we said it like we love dynasty and and we're going to touch on dynasty and whenever we can, we'll, we'll add that to the comments. But right now let's face it. We're, we're drafting redraft. We're drafting these big tournaments, FFPC, myffpc.com, underdog Theo. What's, what's the first, first thing we're throwing on the table here. So um, with, with regards to the FFPC um, slim best ball tournament, the hundred thousand dollar one, uh, and the underdog, which is also a slim 18, 18 man uh, roster. What has been your general approach to attacking those drafts? And what do you think the optimal build is? Is there a specific build you're looking for in terms of number of quarterbacks, number of running backs, or are you moving around? Yeah. So in terms of, I mean, I guess a couple of ways we can tackle this thing in terms of underdog, I'm usually looking to go, I'll say this in terms of best ball in general with these two specific sizes of both being 18 rounds one thing that we kind of learned and discussed on rotoviz is that for your onesie positions a general rule is just kind of not to want to have those two positions add up to six total roster spots so for example three quarterbacks and three tight ends doesn't tend to be the wisest of investments if you want to have three at one position have two at the other you know pivot you know switch between quarterback and tight end if you want to so that's usually one rule i kind of try to stick with win rates just tend to prove better when those two numbers aren't adding up to having six players invest at those onesie positions. Um, so that's one rule I kind of try to stick to. And then the other real rule I try to stick with is just always being mindful that you want more receivers than you do um, running backs, even if it's not necessarily um, 
a, a running back heavy team, even if you're going with the zero RB team, it's still okay to have lesser running backs than it is wide receivers. Usually I probably am trying to get five running backs, depending on how much um, draft capital I have invested in those early round wide receivers. I may consider going with a sixth running back if I feel as though um, I have enough draft capital in my wide receivers where I just have those three or four guys who in my mind, I'm mapping out everything. If it goes perfectly um, or close to perfectly enough, um, they will be picks that often find their way into my lineups. And as a result, I can add that sixth running back over a fifth one um, just to kind of help, you know, hedge a roster that might be a little bit weaker at that position. So um, those are a couple of the generals I would follow for um, both FFPC or underdog. And then there are a couple of other tools you guys mentioned earlier that you guys use over Rotoviz that we do certainly have there. Um, the FFPC Roster Construction Explorer is a really awesome tool. I'm constantly in that. And it's very easy just to plug in things and kind of see um, basic ways to kind of get your roster off the ground and get it moving in the right direction. Um, you know, win rates for any size build, whether you have a one quarterback build or something crazy like a five quarterback build, probably all show up there in that Explorer. You can see what those win rates look like. Maybe you use that as a starting point if you've never done this before. Find that build that you think gives a more positive win rate and then kind of start to mess around with the other positions based off of that. But usually um, two to three quarterbacks, two to three tight ends, maybe flip them around to make sure I'm not having six total there at the position. And then going with fewer running backs than wide receivers. Usually it's four to six wide running backs, four to six running backs, depending on, um, again, just draft capital, other positions, particularly the wide receiver position for me. And as a follow-up, um, what are the what's the main mistakes that you're seeing um, people people do? Um, you know, and we could stick to the underdog for this for this question. Yeah, uh, is it a structural builds or is there some other mistakes that the drafters are really really screwing themselves with? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> nice, 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 uh, nice clip there, uh, Jack Nicholson. You can't handle the truth. Everyone caught that. Um, no, that's that was awesome. One of the things that I think. I kind of noticed with drafters and I kind of learned this myself along the way. I look back at some of my other teams from earlier this year and I just think like gross based on some of my mindset, but um, <laughs> yeah, like you have to be honest with yourself. Sometimes you just draft so like true. an idiot. And then as you learn, you improve along the way. And that's kind of what makes us fun too. But um, I think the one thing that I've learned to do that I think I still see a lot of other people doing is not having enough confidence in some of their other positions um, that they have invested high draft capital in hitting in the way that um, their draft capital suggests that they should. So, for example, the one that always stands out to me the most is quarterback. If you're taking one of those top five quarterbacks, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me to be grabbing a second quarterback, even in something like the 10th round. I mean, those top five quarterbacks are going usually between rounds three and six. If you're investing top six draft capital in a quarterback position, the expectation is kind of that they're going to be very good for most of the season. Um, you passed up on other very good positions to get that quarterback on your team. So what I don't want to do is draft another quarterback early in the draft where I'm now again passing up on another good position for another quarterback at a onesie position where that quarterback could perhaps outperform my early round quarterback more times than I want him to um, while they're both still giving me good weeks, but one of them is now on the bench. And, um, you know, now I've lost out on two positions early. So if I'm taking like one of those like top six, um, top five, top six quarterbacks early, I'm really trying to be mindful of kind of fading that quarterback to 
um, until later in the draft. I'm probably only taking two quarterbacks. Maybe I'll hedge a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields if I feel like it's necessary. But even then, I kind of prefer those rookie quarterbacks on those top five quarterback builds because I am kind of banking on them giving me more usable weeks than not. And then because I can get those rookie quarterbacks later in the draft, I'm hoping that maybe if they are what we think they're going to be, they're going to give me very solid weeks in the event that um, my top five quarterback pick has more of a floor performance and a ceiling performance. Guys, if you if you have this on and you went to look at your rosters and started looking at trades or you're in a draft and you lo- just rewind what he just said, because, Zach, I'm blown away in FFPC every single draft. There's someone going back to back or very early QB in the first seven rounds, man. It just blows my mind. Like you went Kyler Murray yeah. and then you come back Russell Wilson. Like I just don't get it. It's such a waste. And I'm surprised by how often that happened. I put out a video on the Instagram, guys, Goat District FF. Go check it out. But just real quick, you know, in a video saying exactly what you just said, just don't do that. And it, and I'm, again, I'm shocked by how many people do it. But that is a very big key, man. I, you know, we think because we do so many of these, everybody has that kind of rule that they play by. Very important, guys. Don't waste a pick. Like, you, if you go early QB in a one QB, do not take another one like two, three rounds later. Wait, 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 wait for Darnold. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm uh, pulling it up here real quick just for curiosity's sake. I did mention the road of his tools. If I just put in quarterback two before the 11th round, so that's two quarterbacks in the first uh, in the first 10 rounds. If you do with a two quarterback build, the win rate's not that bad. It's 11.7%. But if you go to a three-quarterback build, which a lot of people do, honestly, most of them do, over 1,100 teams did a three-quarterback build with two quarterbacks in the first round, their win rate's a 7.8% win rate, which is below the average win rate. So even though it says you can do it and do it well with a two-quarterback build, most of the field is not doing it with a two-quarterback build. They can't help themselves to get that third quarterback, and that's where they immediately sink their win rates. So um, just understanding what high draft capital means in a player and working through the mental process of why you pick that guy in the first place, understanding that if certain players early don't hit, and this is just quarterback, this is any position, honestly. Um, if, if that early player doesn't hit and you're constantly hedging around them, um, you know, at, at some point in time, it gets to be too much. And now you've passed up on other positions where the real thought process should be if this early player fails, what I built around them probably doesn't matter because I've missed out on another good player early that I could have taken instead of the player who failed. Well, well, your ceiling, your ceiling just keeps dropping, right, Dan? Right. Like we talk about yeah. it every week, man. You're you're just if you hedge on bets in the same draft on the same roster, you're just lowering your ceiling. And in a big tournament, you want as high as a ceiling as you can get. Yeah, even even in standalone leagues, you got to be careful mm-hmm. about lowering your ceiling too far. Uh, yeah. It's just. It doesn't make any sense, and uh, I want to. I want to just quickly hop over to Anna's question here. Um, Sorry, Dan. About uh, if if you've got the the opportunity to block a, a stack and then doing something that's suboptimal for your own team, uh, you know, my my personal feeling on that is I'm just not going to do it. There's no way. Uh, you know, there there are a lot of other ways for that. You know, say Dallas super stack to fail without me. Uh, you know totally torching my own team to to stop it. You know, basically what I'm doing is I'm trying to stop them from having a good team. And then I'm just going ahead and giving myself up in this draft as well. And, you know, it, it, it basically the, the only people who are going to profit are going to be the other 10 people in the draft. So there's no sense in doing it. 
that's that's where I'm at on it. What do you think, Zach? So I, I just want to make sure I understand the question correctly before I answer. Are they basically asking, what if I already have one quarterback? I see a potential for someone else to make a Dallas super stack, so now I'm drafting Dak Prescott as my quarterback too. Is that yep. what they're asking? So I think I, so. Yeah, that's why I'm understanding it. So my response to that kind of is, if you really just think about it, so Dak Prescott right now has an ADP in the sixth round. So the real question to ask yourself there is, looking at other players available to you in the sixth round, if you drafted Debo Samuel in the sixth round, he's got, I'm not even touting Debo here, just for the example. If you're drafting Debo Samuel in the sixth round, he's probably anywhere between your wide receiver two to wide receiver three, depending on what you're doing here. Are you okay with that sixth round pick sitting on the bench perhaps half the season? Are you okay with the pick before you made that, you know, earlier on sitting on the bench? Because now what you're doing is you're essentially drafting one bench player in the top six um, of your picks. So if you're not okay with losing that player every week, then go and find yourself a player who can hopefully slide into your roster on a weekly basis, given their talent and the draft capital, and don't immediately give way to a bench player in the top six rounds. Like try to find other ways to enhance your own roster. Um, a good roster of your, your own is always going to outperform whatever way you think you got around and uh, you know hurt your opponent. It, it, it's always more ideal, I think, to try to draft your strongest roster and let the other people kind of either, you know, find their own success or be the results of their own failures. I, guys, on this topic, uh, go check out Microballin with Andrew and I, AMS Schellenberg. And perfect example, guys. This is why this is like Anna. Thank you for asking the question. Anna's awesome, by the way. She's just always on, on the ball and on this show. Uh, if you look at Wilson coming back, you pick up Mahomes in the third round. You've got this amazing stack. You're doing so good. And then you block my DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett stack with Russell Wilson. Not that we were going to take him there, but I just think like you just killed the advantage that you had by taking Mahomes up there in a stack. Now you, you've just wasted that spot, in my opinion. Is that something similar that we're talking about here, Zach? Yeah, Russell Wilson is going to either have to have a God week or Patrick Mahomes is really going to have to kind of dump out on you in any given week for Wilson to find your lineup. And neither is really ideal you want that third round pick in your lineup more often than not if you're drafting c lamb you want him in your lineup if you're drafting uh, i'm just trying to look here through a quick name uh i mean seventh round's a little bit more risky but you get my point robbie anderson a really good robbie anderson week in the seventh round is going to be a great pick for you um shout out by the way to team six going super hard zero yeah very, yeah very, very Ro roto is uh, hardcore me member right yeah, there. yeah thanks for subscribing <laughs> um but uh yeah like, <laughs> That's not a. That's, that's, not, what awesome you, that's, that's not what you want to see. Um, it, it, it's, tough, it's tough to lose those early round picks that way. Uh, you you want Mahomes in every week, and like I said, if Wilson is finding his way in your lineup a lot, that means you likely blew your third round pick, which is not uh, something you want to be doing. Yeah, that, I thought that was too fitting. Sorry, guys, I hate to, to throw on my rosters, but come on, it was fitting. No, right? That's great. <laughs> Which, which roster is yours? Just to that curiosity. Oh, let's go back. Let's go back. There we go. We're we're in the we are in the four spot. Uh, it, Higby is kind of our mistake pick, but yeah, otherwise we're in the we're in the four spot. Okay. Okay. I was just I was gonna say. Uh, thanks. I'm glad you didn't say you were five. So uh, we'll no, we five and four, five and three are just yeah, just not. Uh, and, and, yeah, and then and then you've got number two who's just reaping the rewards of number one's mistake, like. Anyways, that's that's a whole other story. All right, <laughs> all right, guys. Um, Dan, I'll go to you. 
what's uh what's the, the next thing we want to sling on the table i know we're getting some awesome questions from the uh from the chat and we'll keep throwing them on there as as we see fit but uh what, what's the next thing we want to pick zach's brain on uh... well what what um you know i i, I think uh one of the things we need to talk about um if you're drafting the zero rb teams uh, what are what are some mistakes that people are making often when they're trying to do a zero RB build that you're seeing happen actually in drafts? I think the approach when it comes to zero RB drafts that people probably make bigger mistakes on is probably something to the effect of, first of all, they haven't been doing a lot of them or they mm -hmm. just have an incorrect perception of the draft. And now they think because they've gone zero RB, it's almost like they don't know when to stop. Um, you know, like they've gone zero RB, they finally reached the moment of their draft where they're like, okay, like now I can draft my running backs. And they just get, you know, all excited. They, they start uh, just firing off all these running backs that they're gonna take. And before you know it, they have a run, a roster that's almost two wide or two running back heavy um and and they didn't add enough at other positions because they thought that part of the zero rb strategy is you just get a hell of a lot more running backs than everybody else and you get them late and that's how you're going to win and um again just talking best ball the optimal ideal is to still stick within a construction it's been shown um through different research that we found over on rotoviz that proper construction um wins out over um quality players, which I, I don't mean to say you don't want quality players. You obviously want quality players, but proper construction and making sure that you get in the right number of good players into your lineup every week without giving up too much at one position so you can focus more on hitting on another. Um, proper construction wins out. If you look at win rates for poorly constructed teams, uh, it, you know, it, it's a reason that we we don't even really concern ourselves necessarily with what the player ADPs were. That's certainly something that factors into it, but you can just look at solely constructions and see bad win rates. And the math behind that in all likelihood is probably just that that specific construction doesn't work out. So I think people who haven't been drafting zero RB teams who try to get into it just need to be more mindful that what they really need to focus on is sticking within a proper construction, not getting, so antsy about the fact that they don't have all these sexy running back names on their team draft guys who they're confident in that they can envision um reasonable floors with hopefully a high ceiling and build your roster that way uh, one thing that peter Rosette talked to me about when he had um or when he was on my show a while back too was just trying to balance out how you use your rb so um, maybe you get a couple of those safe floor guys uh naheem hines is probably a safe floor guy um as a pass catching role in, uh, in Indianapolis. Maybe J.D. McKissick is a safe floor guy. Working a couple guys you think could maybe be in a bit of a timeshare and they're going to hit on certain weeks, like a Gus Edwards or a, I'm trying to think, like a Kareem Hunt or something like that. Kareem Hunt's probably a little bit too early for zero RB, but the, the idea behind it works out. Um, Damian Harris, another player, might be interesting for zero RB targets. And then also get a guy who you can swing for the fences on, um, someone who maybe he doesn't have much of a role um, if the guy ahead of him is healthy. But then if all of a sudden he goes down, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard in the 10th round, all of a sudden because of screaming value and a potential top 12 running back the rest of the way. And now you have a proper mixture of good floor, um, reasonable ceilings, and then a home run threat that it takes, you know, one, one bad game on any given Sunday for something to happen. Not that we ever want injuries to happen, but part of the success for the roster build that way is to um, embrace the fact that injuries are an unfortunate part of the game. And we're trying to find ways to capitalize on that. And, and, and that for me is just a huge proponent for tears. 
right? Like mm -hmm. type of type of players and tiers are, are how you build rosters. You're, you're not playing rankings. Like you're not playing the yeah. best player. But like you know, I always say th these draft boards are like art. If you if you know what you're doing, mm -hmm. it's like an art to to build these rosters. Um, uh, Dan, Dan and Theo, anything to add with the mistakes? I, I want to, I keep bringing attention to the chat. We, we got our boy, Cody. Uh, I want to do a quick, you know, rapid fire. All of us throwing our, our most owned best ball guy right now, but anything to add with mistakes that you guys are seeing? Cause you guys are also in there drafting all these rosters. Dan, I'll go back to you as you ask the question. Anyone, any, any specific mistake that you're seeing that, uh, Zach hasn't mentioned? Yeah, I think uh, I, th I think a lot of times there are people who think they're doing a zero RB and they don't really understand exactly what it is. And so they're just not even really doing it right. You know, uh, like, uh, well, I, I drafted four wide receivers in a row, so now I'm just going to go hit running back. Uh, you know, you really probably haven't drafted enough wide receivers yet. Uh, you know, it's not to say you can't slip a running back in here or there in a zero RB build. Uh, you know, you definitely want to take advantage of whatever um value drops into your lap but you you've also got to be careful about uh how you do it so that's that's where i'm at on that hey wheeler's killing the comments yes. i know man. i'm like i'm like holding it and everything did it again the uh the, the counselor the the fans football counselor um I, I don't recommend his listening but if you ever that guy's still laugh, around man come on go check him out he did a podcast zero rb and he uh proved his point by drafting his zero rb roster he went a fourth round running back very very bold uh true uh oh, <laughs> true wow. to, true wow. to the spirit of zero rb with the fourth round running back and he uh did like an 18 minute podcast on about so uh, you're, you're correct there are a lot of people out there dan who do not understand it uh joseph robert is one of them <laughs> that's hilarious wow it was, it a, it, it was a good laugh actually Theo. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of repeat what, what Zach talked about. Um, when you do go running back, you've got to have the right kind of running backs. You want to have a couple guys you can use week one. Um, you know, if you, if you've gone, you know, many rounds without drafting one. Um, and I think that one mistake I see in the FFPC, um, specifically to the FFPC is when people go zero RB, um, I still think that they need to have an advantage at tight end and an advantage at quarterback. To make it work, um, yep. you cannot just be wide receiver centric. The NFFC, you know, you can you can do the, the traditional zero RB, but the FFPC, you really need almost an anchor tight end. Like we built our team, um, kind of a modified zero. We did last night. We made sure we got TJ Hawkinson, um, so we can kind of you know hang our hat on that. Um, but I think that there's you know, it's the running backs. Um, it's getting away from the the strategy too quickly. Um, like Dan talked about not having enough wide receivers, um, you know, some of the old articles about zero RB are still some of the best ones, um, and they still apply today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and you meant, just to your point real quick, FFPC gives you a really tremendous edge at the tight end position. So if you really do want to zero RB properly in the FFPC streets, like get one of those early round tight ends. They already, we already know they give you an edge in PPR, but now when you're getting one and a half point PPR advantage, like that's a really, really good edge to have and a very nice foundation of a ZRB build for sure. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to add, Theo, what you said about you, you kind of got to wrap up that RB position. It's like the delicate baby, right? So you're building everything around it to protect it. And I love that you said that because that's exactly how I feel when I'm building those. I'm okay as long as I can have an advantage 
whether that's double tapping tight end to compete with the Kittle guy or, or, or you know, the, those top end guys, or you got one of those top end guys and you've got a legit you know, QB one that gives you either a, a, an equal fight or an advantage. I love how you said that. I think that's super key. Uh, if you do decide to go light tight end or sorry, light uh, zero RB type of, of build, I think that's huge. And I think a lot of people miss that. Yeah. So let's do a quick, you know, kind of rapid fire in between these these questions, just to kind of go back to Cody's question. So just in best ball, uh, Zach, I'll go to you first. Is there a guy or two that you're maybe are, are some of your most exposed uh, players when it comes to best ball? Yeah, uh, judging by my exposure, I am Darrington Evans' long lost brother. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Darrington Evans is one of them. Uh, I, I can give you another one. If, so do you, you let, let me let me ask you this: Do you Darrington Evans with or without Henry? Uh, I don't. I don't stack any any running backs with with their handcuff. Uh, that that's one of the ways I think you do kind of limit your upside. Um, just in terms of you know, I, I know some people like that kind of security blanket of having like a Henry and a Evans, a Pollard and a Elliott, but. I always try to find ways in which I can have enough players on my roster where any given event that unfolds across the league, I can perhaps benefit from that. Um, I don't think that losing a guy like Derrick Henry is going to suddenly be uh, make me feel comfortable knowing that I have Darrington Evans on my roster. Whereas if someone else losing or Derrick Henry, their team is now really hurting and now I'm benefiting from it. I don't want to try to benefit from my own misfortune. So not a lot of Evans and Henry, I really don't stack running backs on the same team. Uh, Wheeler is saying you probably don't draft Henry. Uh, I, I I don't draft Henry. I I made a joke the other day that that like, I basically talked about Derrick Henry being a fish pick, and it didn't go over very well for me on Twitter. So I'm I'm sorry. I, I, Shocking. I said, I, I said drafting Derrick Henry is more like treading water than it is uh, outpacing your competition. He's probably more likely to just kind of keep you with your competition rather than win you your league. So um, that's assuming PPR or even half PPR. So sorry, sorry to uh, the followers who I, I said that offended, but uh, yeah, Henry is not my guy. Um, sorry. Yeah, I, I'm very late on Henry. I'm in, I'm in the process of doing one of those 125s, and he was my first pick, and it's because I literally have no Henry. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to grab him and just hammer everything else. Well, I'll try again next I, time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Good, good, you know, better luck next time for sure. And the reason I bring it up, I and, and I think this is a, a good discussion. You know, again, let's try not to extend this too much, but Theo and I and, and Dan were talking about, because I, I have Henry, and I went super light at RB and what well, I don't know what round it was, uh, maybe 13th round or something, 14th round, 15th round. I grabbed uh, Darrington um, Evans because mm -hmm. of the value. And Theo said something interesting in a, in a podcast. I heard him on uh, talking about like a 10 round rule, giving you like that value that you might need to take that player. And we we've always all said on this show that, you know, you take it. We're not handcuffed people like, you know, we're not taking handcuffs because they're, mm -hmm. they're going to max your they're going to cap your, your ceiling. But is there any exception for you when it comes to handcuffs, uh, whether it's, a, a, you know, the amount of rounds or the value where that second guy's falling? Do you have any exceptions to that? Um, it's not something I've honestly thought much on. I, I, I guess if it was something like, uh, I'm just spitballing here, like a Najee Harrison and Anthony McFarlane. Anthony McFarlane is a player who I like for the Steelers. I think he could be the running back, too. <laughs> we talked about um, him, too, right? Theo? I was yeah. a little bit disappointed yeah, that the Steelers drafted Harris just because I wanted to see what McFarlane could do. But maybe if it's something like that, I would consider. But oftentimes, I'm trying to not handcuff my own players. 
Yeah, I I, I think that uh, that's a great great approach. I think that in uh, in best ball, it's best not to to handcuff. But on um, redraft, I don't mind with the with the ten round rule. Okay. Oh, apologies. So, so you're literally applying that to, to which makes sense, right? You're, so where you can set the lineup, basically. And I'll say that an exception would be like a, an Indianapolis last year where you could take a Hines and, and mm-hmm. put him with a Taylor. It's almost like two different positions. Or maybe James White with like a Damian Harris. You might not necessarily be betting against yourself with that. Yeah, that's actually interesting. I, I hadn't really heard that concept, but it I guess depending on who that first running back is and how early his draft capital is, making a bet against yourself by maybe getting another one of the other guys, depending on how early the capital is, isn't necessarily the worst move. I'll keep that in mind. Good, good call. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that on a, you know, on a weekly basis, it can make sense. Um, you know, like you might have weeks where, you know, like for uh, James White and uh, Damian Harris, for example, you might have weeks where um, Harris does great and then other weeks where White does great, you know, so you're kind of creating something between the two, which is a, a better running back than either one of them. Yes, the stack cuff is, uh, as Wheeler said. <laughs> Wheeler just killing yep. it tonight. Yep, that's, uh, that's, that's definitely a Todd thing. Uh, the stack cuff. Dan, yep. who's who's who? Dan, do you, give me a name or two. One of your one of your most owned guys. I'm curious. Well, I, I, I mean, yeah, but you know, <laughs> you already know Antonio Gibson is one of them. Nice. Uh, you already know Tom Brady is one of them. Nice. And, uh, and and I believe I've mentioned before Elijah Moore is also uh, one of them. I'm at 27 percent on all three of them, and nice. uh, and, and I will once again uh, do a victory lap on on my uh, Elijah Moore shares, which are all. Many of them are ridiculously cheap because they came before the NFL draft, and you know, it was, so it, it, that's that's going to hopefully work out well for me. The others are much more close to at cost. Theo, couple guys in the, in the FFPC um, tournament. Uh, it's funny that uh, that Zach mentioned it because Darrington Evans is in my top four. Um, I think I'm at four, I'm at I'm at I'm at, I'm at like actually I'm at like like. 35% Darrington Evans. I've actually have a lot of Lamar Jackson. I, I didn't even realize that I have this much Lamar Jackson in this tournament. Um, and I have a lot of Jalen Waddle and a lot of Corey Davis. Um, and it just, I think they were appropriate values. Um, that's why I kept loading up with them. Um, and then in, in, uh, in underdog, I have a lot of Miles Sanders. Um, he just became kind of a value with I feel like he kept falling. Um, the running backs fall in, in that that format a little bit more lately. Um, and I have uh, a good amount of Odell. I, I just uh, I just checked on my underdog. You know, underdog they they break down your exposures kind of differently. My pre-draft um, my pre-draft exposure tied for highest is uh, Jameis Winston, thirty-one point eight percent with Stephon nice. Diggs at the top. Uh, sadly, also sad trombone right behind them is also Michael Thomas at thirty-one eight point eight percent. So I'm probably not actually looking very good, but uh, <laughs> one out of one out of, or uh, two out of three ain't bad. Diggs, Winston, Michael Thomas. I'll, I'll take it, I suppose. But uh, yeah, Winston's Winston going to be a nice. That Winston's a great pick. Um, you yeah. got him super late. Yeah, yeah. I'd pr- that, that was probably close to last round, Winston. If I had to guess at that point in time in the season, pre-draft. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
I, I seem to like tight ends because FFPC, my most owned player is TJ Hawk, and underdog, it's Logan Thomas. So I have a lot of Hawkinson. I do know that. Um, it's hard to yeah. say no to Hawkinson, man. Yeah, he's actually right there in the fourth, you know? He, he's right behind. So all post draft stuff, Hawkinson is right behind Evans. Evans is literally my most owned at 38.9%. So uh, yeah, Evans, Evans, Hawkinson, Boyd. Uh, Cole Beasley, I've been buying the Cole Beasley dip for some reason, and then uh, Amari Cooper. Those are my top five. So it, it, it's never wrong to buy the dip, man. Yeah, I mean, I think he plays, and I think he's a value. And and if people are worried about him, like that's that's fine with me. He's going as a wide receiver, sixty-five. Like I'll take that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there was one article I wanted to ask you about, just to kind of flip away from best ball. Um, mm -hmm. that you wrote on four for four. It was about focusing on the wrong thing. Um, and I thought it was a very interesting uh, way you approached um, that subject. Do you want to kind of explain that article a little bit and kind of your thoughts behind it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, was, I was actually pretty happy that you, you noticed that and that you enjoyed that one. That was a fun one that I got a chance to write over on 4 for 4. We were doing player profilers, and you guys all hang out on fantasy Twitter. You probably see some people just overreacting to things, and you're just like, what? Why the hell are you focusing on this? Like for all the great things you can focus on, why are you hung up on this? So um, the big one with uh, one player in particular is Deontay Johnson and his drops. He had, I believe, it was 14 last season, which um, led the league. J Jerry Judy was second with 12. And really, knocking a player for drops is just kind of silly. It's just, it's historically silly. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll mention what I pointed out in the draft later on. But just to kind of focus on Deontay Johnson for a brief moment, he was a player who was the wide receiver 20. This is for half PPR um, for four for four. So he was the wide receiver 22 last season and half PPR leaves with 177.8 points. He was the wide receiver 24 with 11.9 points per game. So regardless, he was giving you wide receiver two value. Um, he finished with all career highs. He had 88 catches, 924 yards and seven touchdowns. And on top of that, he really kind of was robbed of a much better season just based on what he was projecting for, or I, I should say on the trajectory for, um, despite a couple of misfortunes. Now, I know people do not like to say, like, don't remove game X because that was still a part of what happened. Deontay Johnson was literally the, the beneficiary is the wrong word because he didn't benefit from anything. He got hurt by it. But he was the victim of two just ginormous misfortunes during the season. In weeks three and five, he had a combined 25 snaps when he left early um, in each of those games due to injury. If you remove those two games from what he was doing, he was actually on pace for 13 and a half PPR um, per game. That's half PPR league again, which would have tied him for Tyler Lockett for the wide receiver 12 overall and half point per game um, scoring. So like he was basically a couple freak accidents away from being a top 12 wide receiver in points per game. These weren't even injuries that led to any significant time missed. It was literally like he got hurt in the game and he left and then he was back the next week. So um, really kind of weird to see that. And then another thing that I wanted to do too, going back to the drops, which again, a lot of people are focusing on as they're drafting him with the borderline late wide receiver two, early wide receiver three, is that um, if you don't like drops, what you're kind of insinuating is you don't like fantasy points, which sounds like a complete and total oxymoron because obviously if you're dropping the ball, you're not getting fantasy points. But wide receivers who have led the league in drops have been some of the most productive wide receivers in terms of fantasy points. Um, just looking over it real quick, since 2018, receivers who finished top 12 and half PPR leagues 
averaged 229.4 points on the season. In 2020, DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, Justin Jefferson were all among um, wide tops, were all tops among wide receivers and drops, while all three of them also finished in the top 12. So um, drops are kind of a symbol of being targeted. Someone in my dynasty league sent Deontay Johnson for just the ridiculous price and basically cited drops as being the reason why he had no interest in him. So uh, th- this was kind of an article that was inspired by some silly Twitter conversation. Uh, four for four also happened to need it done on Deontay Johnson. I thought it was kind of a fun way to tackle a negative, spin it as a positive. Hopefully some uh, logic prevailed and, and people will uh, be interested in drafting Deontay Johnson in 2021 because I certainly am fine with taking him, although Chase Claypool has kind of stolen my heart throughout the offseason. So I like them both now. But, yeah, it was it was a fun article, too. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun to talk about. First time I got to actually cover it here with anybody. So very cool. Thank you for letting uh, me And Dan, Dan, I'm pretty, Dan, I remember hearing you uh, with our friend Dwayne McFarlane and our friend Theo saying something very similar like if your boy's not getting targeted why do you want him yeah i mean yeah, with regards exactly. to drop like it, it's a it's a sign that he's getting targeted yeah you can't drop passes unless somebody throws them to you yeah exactly. yeah <laughs> like, like yeah they're frustrating in the moment and i'm not even gonna deny it they might lose you a week but uh if they're dropping passes they yeah they might lose you a week but they're also probably going to help you win a season right yeah exactly and it's it, twitter loves to to pick on you know stupid stuff like the Deontay um, everything Deontay yeah literally anything they can they can (laughs) pick holes at a player with they're going to do um and it has nothing to do with fantasy I think that it's a new thing with um Jamar Chase um Mm -hmm. for about two days people are calling Jamar Chase a bust because he had three drops in a preseason game he got targeted on third and short third and long and third and medium in, in one quarter and we're concerned about the drops they're looking for him um, and it's, it's just, I don't know. It's just, um, people want to poke holes at players any chance they get, um, and drops, drops means they, they're looking for you. Like Dan said, and, and Zach said, I think it's, uh, it's kind of a fake, it's kind of a fake stat that has nothing to do with anything. You don't receive negative points for drops in your, in any fantasy league that I've ever heard of. Um, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just a weird thing. And one other piece that I, I thought, I thought was uh, well done that you did was, um, a very positive spin on, on Damian Harris. Maybe you could share a little bit about that with, with uh, the listeners. Yeah, the Damian Harris situation could actually be shaping up to be um, could actually be shaping up to be a little bit better than maybe we anticipated heading into week one, just given the Cam Newton news. But Damian Harris is a player who I've been also drafting a pretty decent amount of in um, in underdog drafts and, uh, and FFPC as well, but particularly underdog. I really like his ADP. I believe you can get him maybe around like the ninth or 10th round. Um, feel free to check me on that. If that doesn't sound correct, I'm actually pulling it up here to make sure that I sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, he's got 80, 83 overall ADP. So that's like what, like around seven, maybe around seven ADP. So I'm a little bit early or later on that, but I, nonetheless, I like his value. Um, particularly for zero RB builds. He is a player who showed a decent amount in the season last year um, for the Patriots when he was healthy at 137 carries. He had 691 yards, only two touchdowns, but his yards per carry was tremendous. He does not catch a lot of passes, so there is that downside. But I think that regardless of who is quarterback, he's probably going to be playing on an offense that is relatively run heavy. And the hope is that he can 
as silly as this sounds, I'd say it mostly in jest, but fight off Ramondre Stevenson uh, for, for week one snaps, despite the insane season that Ramondre Stevenson is having this preseason. I think Damian Harris is probably safe to be locked in as a Patriots running back one. And really his biggest concern for losing um, any kind of fantasy value probably lied more so in Cam Newton being a goal line threat. And now Newton is perhaps going to lose out on that that uh, starting job as early as week one. The the missing time right now at training camp um, due to some botched COVID protocols is definitely not going to do anything to help him out. And if Mac Jones continues to show out, he's looked decent in the preseason. Apparently they like him in training camp. If he continues to show out, then I think that a team that is still probably going to be likely to lean on the run is going to probably continue to do so. I think more touches will go to Damian Harris because they're not going to be running options with Mac Jones. Those will turn into handoffs to other running backs. Hopefully most of them will be Damian Harris. And then on top of that, unless they're planning on some kind of silly package where they bring in Cam Newton for the ever predictable goal line sneak, um, a lot of those running plays down at the goal line are now going to be going to Damian Harris instead of Cam Newton um, as well. uh, The Patriots gave a lot of goal line rushes to Cam Newton last season, and that resulted in a lot of good fantasy points for him kind of hurt those playing behind him. I think the sooner we get Mac Jones on the field, the sooner Damian Harris has a chance to produce. And um, given his ADP, I know it was later earlier on, but given his ADP, I really just kind of like him at that spot. And I think it's kind of a easy to envision a wheels up scenario for him to give us some some high production games um, and, and possibly return a RB2 value, if not better. Yeah, no, I'm I'm on I'm on the Damian Harris train too. Um, shout out to Wheeler in the chats. Um, with uh, regards to James White, um, I think potentially both of them would see their their fortunes improved with Mac Jones. Um, you know, I think that uh, the, the Harris he's, he's he's been a target of mine on kind of the anchor RB teams where I've been able to grab Harris in like the seventh or the eighth. Now he's shot up to like, I mean, we saw him go in the sixth last night in the football guys um so he might he might reach a point where he becomes undraftable but in the seventh i'm i I don't mind it at all how about you dan yeah i've been a little slower to warm to to harris but i'm getting there of course i'm getting there just as his price is starting to rise too but that's that's often the way it goes uh when you're slow to warm to somebody so um I, i i will probably look to to try to find some spots where he's he's dropping even just a little bit and, and grab a hold of him. Uh, you know, Mixon's been another player is the same way for me. I just never seem to be able to get him at any kind of a value. It's like I'm either reaching or or he's gone. Yeah, yeah. The other thing, too, that I had noticed, I've, I'm, I'm just reviewing my article a little bit here real quick. Um, of the running backs last season who saw 20 or more carries in the red zone, None of them had fewer carries inside the five-yard line than Damian Harris. He was literally dead last amongst running backs um, down near the five-yard line when it comes to why running backs were working in the red zone, but just being ignored down near the goal line. Um, A lot of those, again, they went to Newton. I think if Newton is out, I think a lot of those carries kind of by default go to Damian Harris unless Bill Belichick just has something up his sleeve where he's going to shock us as he does every year and throw someone else in who he just didn't envision being – uh, that Thorne on our side who's getting five carries uh, a game or five carries every two weeks, but three of them are touchdowns or something silly like that. But uh, yeah, I, John, I, I, John I, Smith at the goal line, John o. Smith around the goal line, something like weird. Yes. Like that. If they, if they truly oh, want to wow. drive us all crazy, that's what it'll be. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Or, or worse, the, uh, the Cam Newton and the Taysom Hill package. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we want to see. <laughs> 
for, for me, it's about opportunity cost, right? Like who, who else, who am I missing out on when you're looking at these running backs in that, in that range? Like if Carter is there and he's still sitting there and I'm choosing between the two, which has happened often for me, the pass catching ability that Car Carter offers is, is where I lean. Um, you know, AJ Dillon going after him, you know, obviously Damian Harris, uh, a, a, a slicker route to starting. Do Mostert and Gaskin, either of those guys interest you that are going in this range right now in the best ball tournament for uh, for FFPC? Um, I don't I don't necessarily hate either of them. I've kind of been able to see that people are not as high on Trey Sermon as they were immediately after the draft. It looks like it might, in fact, be Mostert's team. Uh, if he has a chance to play and play well, if he doesn't lose that backfield, then I think it's a very good value. Miles Gaskin, I kind of view as more of a replacement level player who a couple bad games could possibly lead to something like Malcolm Brown or Salvin Ahmed taking over more snaps than we like to see. But I think Mostert, I view as a safer player of those two. And wanted to get, you know, obviously we've got you a Rotoviz guy over uh, in, the, in the GOAT district. Um, what wide receivers are your favorite targets this year? Um, you know, whether it's, um, you know, players towards the top of the wide receiver list, maybe some mid-round guys, what wide mm -hmm. receivers are you continually targeting and you expect to kind of exceed expectations this year? Yeah, I like everyone in the first 10 rounds. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The rounds, Absolutely. I love them. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, there's obviously like the guys who are like the top of your list. Like, uh, Stefan Diggs is someone I just told you my exposure is super high on Stefan Diggs. I think that the Bills offense is going to remain a pass heavy offense. I think they're going to just continue to find ways to force feed Diggs targets and he's going to just be a target hog for another year. So um, if I'm picking at that middle towards back end of a draft, um, if it's FFPC and Travis Kelsey's off the board, um, it's probably between like someone like Diggs and Waller for me if they're both there. Um, Devontae Adams, I like him as well. There's also some players who I'm taking a little bit later in drafts or people who I'm even willing to be bullish on. Um, I think Rondale Moore's ADP is grossly um, undervalued. Maybe not grossly is the wrong word. I think it's silly to see his ADP where it sits compared to some other guys. Um, that's another tweet I got absolutely killed for the other day. I, I was the overreactor to Rondale Moore's um, manufactured touches in the week one of the preseason, and I said that he... It did not make sense that he was going after Russell Gage. Um, ha ha to those people. Rondell Moore is now going earlier than Russell Gage, and I'm I'm the one that's at least looking okay with that to begin with. But I think Rondell Moore is an excellent player who I would be okay with taking higher than a number of receivers going ahead of him. Um, Marquise Brown is not a player who I'd be taking ahead of Rondell Moore. Marvin Jones is not a player who I'd be taking ahead of Rondell Moore. Even Curtis Samuel, for as much as I like him, not a lot of good news coming out on Curtis Samuel right now, and he's never really been – um, the best at his best under Ron Rivera, which I thought was curious that he went ahead and went to Washington after having his best season away from Ron Rivera. He goes right back to um, to him. But I think Rondale Moore's usage in the preseason has been rather encouraging. I know it is the preseason, but I think the Cardinals have just done some things with him that you wouldn't expect to see in the preseason. Even if they're not showing their full hand and how they intend to use him, he's still one of the leaders right now in the preseason and lining up in the snap. He was seeing manufactured touches in terms of um, carries. He was seeing a nice amount of targets in the preseason. Like Rondale Moore is a player who's going to be used. We know he's explosive. We know that he's also undersized. But I think if Arizona can find creative ways to get him the ball, I think he's going to drastically outplay his ADP, which on underdog is currently wide receiver 54. Um, I mean, for that, he needs to be a wide receiver three or even a wide receiver four to technically be considered successful. If a wide receiver four is a wide receiver 48 um, to 
37 or whatever it is, then him out playing his wide receiver 54 ADP almost seems like a lock. So he seems like a pretty easy value to me. Um, some other players on that list I'm willing to make a reach on. I forget who it was here. We were talking behind the scenes. Terrace Marshall, who's just been balling out this year. I'm willing to reach on Terrace Marshall by around to get him. I think he's going to be used a lot. I really like the buzz with Marquez Callaway. Um, even Jacoby Myers, I think, is interesting. Talking about Patriots players, I think that Marcus, or I, sorry, I think Jacoby Myers is an interesting player who, uh, you know, could definitely see a nice number of targets in the Patriots offense this year. And uh, fun fact, maybe find his first receiving touchdown this season. He had one touchdown last year. It was a throwing touchdown. Jacoby Myers has never caught a touchdown pass as a wide receiver who has like over 100 receptions. So maybe this will be the year for Jacoby Myers to finally walk into the end zone with the ball in his hands. But yeah, there's a number of guys who I like at wide receiver who I'm willing to be around or two earlier on just for the sake of, you know, locking them in. And I think the targets will be there and the, the production will be as well. That's some good names. I mean, we're we're big fans of uh, of Rondell Moore on on the yeah. show in Dynasty and Redraft. And, and, and shout out to Christian Kirk for sucking for three years so that Rondell Moore can yes. still be a value. Yeah, because everybody yes. thinks <laughs> everybody yeah. thinks he's going to be Christian Kirk. I do like Christian Kirk now. I like him. Yeah, now, exactly. Now now it's free. Yeah, yeah. Now free, free money. Yeah, now I can get him finally um, and feel good about it. But yeah, I mean Rondell Moore, I think. I worry he's going to get injured, but if we're drafting players worrying about injury, then there's a lot of players we're just going to be passing on. So, not my. I, 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 I was sure Bate, Bateman was my most drafted rookie uh, this offseason, <laughs> but I was very happy to see when I did use the special ownership percentage, uh, you know, feature on the FFPC site that Rondell was my most owned uh, rookie. So, yeah, but, hopefully, good things for him to come. Let, let me just walk this one out with you guys because I've. Like I said, I got destroyed on Twitter for it the other day. Now I'm just going to ask some smart guys here and get your opinion on it. Rondale Moore, again, I tweet in terms of best ball. I might be okay with a guy like Russell Gage in a redraft league where I can see a little bit safer of a floor. But when I'm thinking in terms of best ball, that's why I still want Rondale Moore just because I think that the ceiling weeks that he's going to give you could drastically outperform the somewhat usable weeks that Russell Gage is going to get you. I think that the times Rondale Moore finds your lineup, even if it's less, the point total could be more than when Russell Gage finds your lineup as the floor player can play compared to the ceiling player that Rondell Moore, I think, is going to give you. So if you want to talk redraft and having to make that conscious decision on when to play a guy, I can kind of understand the Gage pick. But if, if, am I wrong? Am I right? Where do you guys lean on that? Like, is it? I, I know better in best ball gets us made fun of on Twitter, so we won't say that. But do you like <laughs> Rondell Moore better in best ball than you would in redraft compared to a player like Russell Gage who maybe has more of the PPR upside? Or where are you guys at? I like Rondell more in both. Um, I okay. think he's got he's got a floor because he's going to see the slot um, a ton, um, if not you know the the majority of his snaps. And I think that um, I mean R Russell Gage. It's just like I'm I'm not the kind of drafter who's going to draft Russell Gage. You mentioned Cole Beasley. You mentioned Jacoby yeah. Myers. You can get those guys later than Russell Gage. Way later. Um, considerably yeah. later, and they have to me the same sort of. Um, the same sort of profile in terms of what I expect their production to be. So mm -hmm. Russell Gage is kind of like, it's one of the worst fantasy arguments that this player is gone, this player steps in, this player therefore must receive all of this volume. The available targets. I, yeah. right. Available targets. I think if, if you're a Jag, you're a Jag, and it doesn't change. And I think Russell Gage is a Jag. And I think Rondell Moore is is a stud. The only thing wrong mm -hmm. with Rondell Moore to me is his size. Um, and when you talk about size, I mean his, his height. He's plenty strong. He's explosive. He's a next level athlete. Um, he checks pretty much every single box of, you know, early breakout, um, all, all the little 
you know, athleticism boxes you'd want, and he's attached to Kyler Murray, so mm-hmm. draft away. Yeah, Here, here's here's the trap with Gage, um, you know, because I have almost no Gage this year versus last year. Gage was somebody who was very valuable to me down the stretch. You know, it, he was a guy that I needed to insert my lineups in several leagues, and he did he did well for me. But here's the thing: now I'm being asked to pay a you know like a tenth round price to get that. And I know full well, you know, from years of playing fantasy football, there's going to be a Russell Gage out on the waiver wire, you know, when I need him. And so I don't need to pay for that, you know, and I don't think he's going to give me enough necessarily over the course of the season. I would rather, you know, make a bet on a Rondell Moore who, sure, he might flame out, but you know what? I can grab somebody like Russell Gage off of the waiver wire to replace him if he does. So, you know, I would rather make that that bet and and shoot for the upside, and I, I think that's what a lot of people miss. Yeah, I don't hate Russell Gage. I'm the only person in America outside of a Russell Gage family member that has a Russell Gage jersey. Um, just so everyone here knows, <laughs> I, I ordered an LSU, an LSU one, or an yeah, LSU I ordered, one, or an I, I ordered, a, I ordered a '83 Falcons Russell Gage jersey from overseas last year. Nice. I, I proclaim that I'm the first Russell Gage truther. When he uh, came on the scene post Muhammad Sanu trade around week eight or nine of 2019, yep. um, he saw, I think, eight targets in that first game. And I was kind of out there tweeting Russell Gage. And I think if you search for it, you'll find that any first Russell Gage tweets that weren't like live tweeting that game, it was me in the fantasy space. So um, I, I I went in on it. I, uh, I I bought a Russell Gage jersey. I have it here. I wore it to the Fantasy Football Expo. I don't freaking hate the guy, but his ADP sucks. Like, it's terrible. Yeah, right. like, Zach, I, Zach yeah, if I see I, a guy walking down the street with a Gage jersey, I'm I'm yeah. not only am I like giving him the like, yo, I'm, I'm going in with the like, give me your hand, the shoulder bump, Get in there. I might even do the half hug. I'd be, you, dude. You, me, and you are as degenerate as it gets right here. Like you, like that. That's a sick jersey, dude. That's that's hardcore right there. If you've got a gay jersey, yeah, and you can do that. You can come up. You can hug him. You can do whatever because it's gonna be me. It's not gonna be anybody else. I can tell you that. Um, at the FF Expo, they actually had a a draft board. Somebody. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. Someone at the FF Expo had a draft board. Um, it was kind of like, hey, walk by the board, put a sticker on it, make your pick. They were in the third round. Someone told me to do it. Just for bit equity, I was wearing my Russell Gage jersey that day. I just slapped Russell Gage on the board in the third round, got a picture with it. So, like, yeah, like, I, I, I like him. I don't hate Russell Gage, the player. I'd love to have him on my live stream. But I can't uh, I can't draft him at his 9th or 10th round ADP. I'm not, I'm not a lunatic outside yeah. of here. I love it, man. I love it. I, I, I'm going to add this really quick. For me, it's all about opportunity costs. And you look at a guy like Rondell Moore, where he's going mm-hmm. – show me anything better like he's he's kind of going in the right spot after the fuller Pittman, curtis samuel elijah moore type of for me the moors are the moors like that you can interchange them in my opinion like yeah. you know one one one's got a better quarterback one you know they're, they're kind of the same for me but i feel like they're where he's going it, it's a no-brainer if you're looking at receiver yeah yeah no i, I i'm with you um yeah I, I i think that's good i do think your guys are right yeah it's probably it's probably uh, Rondell Moore in any in any round. Russell Gage could be Randall Cobb, and Randall Cobb is going 152nd overall right now. Like, that right. can literally be what we're talking about here. Like, yep. What what are we doing? Just, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no one's gonna like me after this. It's show, called being right? cute. It's called thinking yeah. you're being cute. You know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. Yeah, he developed 4-3 speed over the offseason. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's 
go let's go to draft now. Let's see. <laughs> I'm All right, I, I think Wheeler and Zach need to do like the 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 fantasy Fantasyland comedy hour or something. You guys are just killing it tonight, just left and right, <laughs> loving it, loving it, man. I love it. The, the 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 comments are active. The goodness is flying, guys. Check out myffpc.com. I don't I don't think we uh, we threw that on here yet. You know, you, you hear us every week. We're talking it strategy tonight. If you want. You know whether you won your home league or you're getting a little serious now maybe you just discovered this channel go check out my ffpc.com tag any of us any of us you see our twitters on there tag any of us even if you tag zach he'll send them our way we'll hook you up with a sign up bonus guys whether and dan said it the best way you know i've i've done this this uh promo for a million times and i've never said it as well as dan just like everything else because he's got the flow baby he's just got the flow but <laughs> From $5 best ball to $10,000 dynasties, everything in between. That's all you got to say about myffpc.com. The customer service, there's nothing on them, not even in Fantasyland, on the planet, whether maybe Apple, maybe Apple just because there's more people available other than Chris, but <laughs> FFPC's level of customer service, it's, it's better than it should be. Put it that way. Like yeah. they're above everyone else in the industry and it's even better than it needs to be to be at that spot. That's the way I see it. So... There, I mean, Dan showed it last night on, on our stream. Check out our, our football guys championship draft. Just picked up the phone, speed dial, taken care of. There was a mistake with a pick, uh, uh, and and you know it was taken care of right away. Uh, but no, this just is like subtweeting. You, you know what it is. You, yeah. you, you know what it is. Big trouble, dude. If, 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 any, if anyone's in sale, they understand the disconnect of of sense of urgency between like the the people out there in the field and the people that are sitting in the in the castle in the office. You know what I mean? The head office. It's kind of similar to that. And the FFPC just understands the sense of urgency, even if it's a five dollar draft and you meant to pick up. Etienne and you picked up whatever Jacobs or whatever it is, or, you know, I don't even that makes sense. But the point is whenever you need them, something goes wrong. They're there, man. And, and that's important to me, especially if you're spending, you know, three or four digits even uh, on a fantasy league. All right, guys, uh, Dan, I'm going to go back to you. What, uh, any, anything left here? We're on what we're on a buck 37. You good for time, Zach? <laughs> Yeah, I was actually just going to slide in the chat. I'm having fun. Just keep it going. Uh, nice. Yeah. See, our, our strategy works. We, we don't mention anything until we get going. And then we're like, oh, yeah, by the way, are you good? Yeah, well, well, the other thing is, too, is if I don't shut the hell up, then who am I to all of a sudden be like, sorry, guys, I'm out of time. Like, I, I, I'm pretty long-winded, so let's just keep this thing rolling. We'll, it's we'll it's good, though, because we're here to hear you talk. I mean, they can hear us talk every week, so, you know. I, I don't hear that every week. My my my, uh, my wife is definitely not here to hear me talk. I can tell you that. She's happy to have me taken off your off her hands for the evening. So, yeah, let's keep it rolling, <laughs> <we> guys. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Uh, so, uh, what – what do you think about uh, you know some of the the variants on the zero RB build uh, anchor RB or you know uh, in, anything like that? Are there are there any variants or any uh, draft slots that you think variants are going to work better than a zero RB or it you know it, it, obviously zero RB is something you're not going to be doing all the time. What are the, where are the places where you're going to be looking to do other things? Um, yeah, so I mean this is a really good question for me it usually starts around round six. Um, and that's just because I feel like the top three picks, you're probably locked in at running back um, with some kind of mixture of 
um, McCaffrey, uh, and then Cook, and then Kamara. And then round four, or I'm sorry, pick four, it can get a little bit interesting if you're in an FFPC league. They might be going Kelsey there. Um, if you're in a underdog fantasy league, maybe they go Henry, maybe they go Zeke. So it really just kind of depends on how it shapes up there. But usually around round six or seven, or pick six or seven. I'm sorry, forgive me. It is late, guys. You keep me on past my bedtime. So if I, if I start sound, <laughs> if I start not making sense, you just have to bear with me here. If if we get around pick six or seven, um, and that's where I'm picking from or later. Now I'm just kind of looking to see who's available for me at that spot in the draft and um, how do I like them? How do I like who I think is going to come back to me um, with the next pick on the turn? And I kind of base my my ideas off that a little bit. Um, like you said, I'm definitely not going ZRB every time. I'm not going to draft, you know, a wide receiver at the 101 or the 102 or anything nutty like that. There's, there's you still have to do something that makes a little bit of sense um, mm-hmm. in terms of capitalizing on player value. But for me, once you get around that 106, 107, that's where I really kind of start to consider um, my wide receiver options, unless a running back falls to me much later than I think he should have fallen. Um, one player who I'm a little bit higher on than. Um, some people were, I know they've kind of come around a little bit more lately, but when Ezekiel Elliott was making it past like the sixth or seventh spot, if he happened to make the eighth or ninth round or the eighth or ninth overall pick, that seemed like a kind of easy pick to me at that point in time. Now his ADP is around five or six. So he's a little bit higher, but he's a guy who I was always kind of willing to go off of my, um, zero RB, um, morals for, for the sake of getting a running back who I think is going to have a bounce back season and hopefully be a solid player. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. And then sometimes if you can really smash like one of those like hyper fragile builds out the gate, Saquon Barkley's falling. If you have any faith yeah. in him, you get like a Jonathan Taylor, a Saquon Barkley or a Zeke or Aaron Jones, a Saquon Barkley, like any of them, if they're falling into those rounds, like that could be a very, very strong way to start a team. Of course, running backs, you're going to have that extra risk baked in. Um, I'm not sure if you guys saw the article that Pat Corain did. He's actually done two articles recently on Legendary Upside over on NBC Sports Edge and the running backs. And one of the uh, quotes he said is, the running back dead zone doesn't start in, I think, like the third or fourth round or whatever. It starts in the first round. And he just looked at historical hit rates and bust rates for running backs and kind of identified how often they're not hitting. So there's definitely risk to, uh, to start those early round running backs. There's even more risk if you're doing two. But if one of them is falling after the sixth round, and I really like him. I'll still take him. If not, it's usually around that sixth or seventh pick where now I'm probably leaning more towards a wide receiver or Travis Kelsey if they're on the board unless one of those tight end slips. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to think here. That, 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 the, other day, the other day, Zach, from the one spot, I may have killed my, my CMC advantage, but I, I did kind of, a, and now it's, it's, a, it's a kibosh, right, because Etienne's mm-hmm. hurt. But I, 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 instead of going like the receiver long after the CMC, and maybe it's similar with the Zeke, I figured if I took guys like Etienne and then I grabbed Sanders, it just allowed me more freedom with the running back position. Maybe I'm doing a super slim build, or maybe I'm adding one, maybe two later on. But mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on, on maybe, maybe if you do think you're hitting a, a slim RB build, hitting the, the two and three RB a little earlier than you might? to mm-hmm. give you that that freedom later on in the draft does that does that make sense yeah so i think what you're talking about is basically working having what's a perceived strength at the position to your advantage by now going with yes um, having a lot to do of other less. Yes. yeah having to do less early and rather do more later on so this is 
you're kind of doing what a lot of people love to call, they love to call it as a modified GRB approach. Um, it doesn't trigger anybody. Everyone loves the phrase. Uh, <laughs> modified GRB will make you a lot of friends on Twitter very quickly. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that's fine. If, if you if you want to kind of invest in the running back position early and just accept the fact that you're going to get your one or two guys, obviously CMC, you probably don't even need to go a second running back early if you don't want to, but the logic is still there. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong, but um, if you do that, I think that, you know, exploiting that advantage that you don't even get all the time, because it's not like landing CMC in the 101 is easy. It's pure luck. Um, if you get it and you decide to exploit it properly, whenever that happens, I think that you can build a lot of strong teams that way. And if you want to put a Miles Sanders on there, go for the slim three or four running back build and really hammer the run wide receivers, like get in, get your guys, get out. Um, you could still walk away with a very solid roster that way as well. So yeah, I don't, I don't hate that. I think it's just making sure that you're properly exploiting out. It just sounds like you are, but it's also worth noting that a lot of people do not. So yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. It was one of those where I, I did it like a, a bunch of underdogs NFFPC and I kept nailing the one and two spot. So mm -hmm. I wanted to try some different and I'm curious to get Dan and Theo's input if they have any anything on it, because I I just found it was a different way to approach that one spot or those early spots where you do take your anchor. Uh, but then if you go receiver too long, then you're kind of you're gobbling all these uh, running backs on the back end. So do you guys see any advantage to maybe trying to scoop your RB2, RB3 early guys? I've I've had a I've had a 101 where like an Aji fell, and you know grabbing oh, like you know, a no brainer type volume. Um, usually with the with the 101, I, I like going wide receiver wide receiver, um, just because of the 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 value of those players. But um, I think you've got to just gauge it by your room. Maybe maybe your draft room, um, you know, really hammered wide receiver in the back end of the um the second round leaving you two really viable running back options. And then you've got to make a decision. But yeah, for me, it's usually wide receiver unless a really good player falls. What 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 is this 101 thing you guys are talking about? I, I haven't seen it in a long and time. Doesn't it suck, doesn't it suck then? <laughs> it seems like every off season, there's one part of the pool where you just always end up. Is it? Yeah. You know? Yep. I, I, I have been a 7-Eleven guy for uh, for a while now. It's like every draft I get into, I've got the 7 or I got the 11. Yeah, so. I got 110 tattooed on my ass last weekend. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. That's about it. In there, guys. Yeah. I, I couldn't get to it quick enough. I just... That's okay. That's okay. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> but, warn you. <laughs> but yeah, theoretically, I mean, you know, if 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 hypothetically speaking, I got the one on one. You know, I wouldn't be opposed to grabbing a couple, couple running backs if they drop down to me. But I'm certainly not going to reach there. Um, you know, I'm I'm just at the two three turn. I'm taking the best two players available, and you know, just taking advantage of the fact that I know, uh, you know, as we go through round three. Uh, and start to get to round four, you know, there's going to be a pretty big tier drop off and right now. And then uh, the same thing uh, coming around in the fifth round, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, again, take the two best players I possibly can at the four or five turn and whatever they are, they are. And I'll just, you know, from there, I'm going to build the rest of my team around what I've gotten. Shout out to Jeremy he throws out the unicorn. I like it. <laughs> No, I, I, I do have to say I did uh, just enter the, the best ball tourney. Um, I, I did another entry in the best ball tourney today on uh, FFPC, and I got the 101. I was, like, literally doing uh, cartwheels around the, the house. So. <laughs> yeah, 
The neighbors now think I'm. Should post that on Twitter. I know. Yeah. And instead, only the neighbors get to see it. (laughs) (laughs) That unicorn is definitely symbolic for the. for the Mahomes, Tyreek, Kelsey stack, that is. Oh awesome yeah, year, right. Yes. That's. I, I thought I was going to get it once upon a time earlier this season. Uh, I, I think Kelsey slipped to. Damn, did Kelsey slip to the second round? I think he did, and it was super unexpected. And I, I took. Uh, I must have taken Tyreek Hill, and then Kelsey made it to the second round. I thought he was going to get back to me, and he didn't. And yeah, uh, if you're in the back end, that could easily happen. Yeah, I, I was ready to go unicorn hunting, and then someone took Ty, Travis Kelsey just before he made it back to me in the second, but I thought I was about to make it happen. The comment so is awesome. This bulldog out there giving it. it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, what about uh, – what What are you doing at tight end mostly, Zach? Um are you, are you finding yourself trying to grab an early one when you can? What are you doing when you can't grab that early tight end? We we haven't really talked about that position at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to be always like team like super late round tight end, and then I realized just how off I was on that. And that I, it, it's fun to do. It's fun to do it when it works out for you. But I I've kind of come around a little bit more often and truly understanding the advantage that these elite tight ends can give you um I, I still get tempted to chase the really late round tight end just because in my mind i can always pinpoint where that one might be and i, I i'm certainly not always right but um the year waller happened I, I got that one right and the year that logan thomas happened so i guess the last two years i've gotten it i've gotten it right but um so i'm tempted to do that but i don't I don't draft enough of those kind of teams where I get it right enough for it to impact me. I often get it wrong more often than not. So um, I still do kind of like to now pursue an early round tight end and just get one of those elite guys. I have a cutoff point for myself. I'd be curious to know your all's as well, but um, it's obviously the top three guys. I got no issue with taking any of them at their ADP. Even Darren Waller, if you really wanted to get bold and take him in the first round, like at the end of the first round, just to try something different, I don't think that's that crazy because I think that his upside could be close Who to. Who would ever do um, that, man? Come on, I'll nobody's see. doing that. Hey, FFPC. I, I, yeah, now on FFPC, I think uh, Waller in the first definitely, you know, is very defensible. Uh, yeah. Underdog, maybe a little bit more of a, a yeah. an odd build. Sure. Not yeah. It would be on an underdog. I haven't done a lot of regular PPR leagues. Um, honestly, it's been mainly underdog and FFPC. So I haven't done a lot of MFLs to see where he's looking at and if you could do a first-round waller there. But, um, yeah, no first-round waller there. But my cutoff for tight ends early is usually around – trying to do the math on my head. Whether you like pits or not, but assuming that you do, it's those top six tight ends. And then if I don't get any of them, then I'm probably looking to do more like round nine round 10 tight end or later um you know I, i've got a lot of hawkinson i just mentioned he's my next own player after darrington evans i think he's a tremendous value i think that he has a potential to be a top three tight end this year um if kittle does not see the volume that his adp suggests that maybe he needs to see the return value there i think that the guy who could kind of supplant kittle could be hawkinson late and a team that should probably have some negative game script looking to pass a lot and those wide receivers are just painful uh they're they're not 
there's not a lot to get excited about there. I think that, like, I mean, honestly, it wouldn't shock me to see something even as crazy as like the two leading target, um, the two the two highest targeted players on the Lions are like DeAndre Swift and and TJ Hawkinson. Like, I don't think that's off the table. It could be a little bit crazy, but I don't think that those two leading the team in targets is that insane. Um, just because the wide receivers are not are not a very redeemable bunch. But after those, you know, top five, top six tight ends, um, I'm usually fading the position until a little bit later on in the draft, and I'm probably looking to do more of a three tight end build in a two. Yep, makes sense. I, I'm pretty much exactly the same way. Uh, you know, Hawkinson, maybe Andrews is kind of where my cutoff is. Um, yeah. And at that point, you know, I, I'm going to drop all the way down to like the, you know, the Gronk tier and you know just mm-hmm. start i i would rather just you know nail three tight ends in a row in like rounds 9 10 11 or 10 11 12 something like that and you know and and just recognize that you know okay if i miss on one of those top tight ends i'm going to be going with three tight ends in this build and you know this as soon as i know that i've missed those tight end those top tight ends i already know okay this is what i'm going to do so i can already start working my team you know, and, and uh, building my team around what I'm going to do at tight end later. So, you oh, know, yeah. I know I need to get my quarterbacks in a little bit earlier, you know, make sure I'm good at wide receiver, all that kind of stuff. I, I think, too, it's interesting this, just to note, um, Mark Andrews' ADP on underdog right now is, is like 60th overall. His ADP has basically not moved despite the fact that uh, Rashad Bate they have no receivers. Have an extended period of time. Marquise Brown not really practicing. If your best receiver is Sammy Watkins heading into week one, you damn sure better be targeting Mark Andrews way more than you maybe were anticipating. I, I, I think I think and Dan's agent, I think Dan's agent called him the other day. He was they were asking about him as a receiver. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Like, it, it, it's possible. Like for his ADP to not be moving for for as reactionary as the market is to all these little like injuries and things that happen and stuff like that, it's kind of surprising that. Mark Andrews isn't finding himself maybe not a full round earlier, but it's kind of surprising that his ADP is quite literally not moved at all. You can get him at the back of the fifth or like with your first pick in the sixth round, which is something you could have been doing back in June or July. Yeah. 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 That's totally true. I think you're starting to see him like the, the market has corrected itself in like football guys drafts, but it hasn't corrected on underdog. It's very, it's very odd. Like Andrews is moving close to Hawkinson a little bit. Some of these FFPC football guys, but you, you know you don't necessarily see it in the in, in all formats. It's just uh, yeah, because things have a way of right? yeah. But even even still, it's um you know I, I would say that the you know underdog, it's still a little slight gap. Um, and he should absolutely see a, a ton of volume at least for the beginning of the season until some of those wide receivers get healthy. Yeah, I mean. Maybe, maybe there's people out there. I don't really know what people's view on pits is, but if you don't like pits, then maybe you let someone else take pits. Maybe you take Andrews around earlier and you kind of build around that way if you if you believe in him. Like if, if there might not be as much separating Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts now as we perceive there to be before training camp with these injuries. Like a, mm-hmm. unless you think Kyle Pitts is on pace for a thousand yard season, if he's really only going to get six or seven hundred yards. I don't think that's off the table for Mark Andrews, and maybe they're a little bit closer than you realize. So the discount, Kyle Pitts could be Mark Andrews, if depending on what things look like after training camp and early on in the season. Again, it depends on how you view them. I'm not even necessarily I view them that way, but that's just something I'm randomly thinking about here as I 
spew fantasy diarrhea um, on a live stream at 11.30 p.m. <laughs> I, I feel like tight, tight, end, for me, tight end for me, yes. Dan, is kind of like running back where like there's there's like the top guys and then there's like these guys where I'm not really caring, but then you get in the bottom and it's so interesting. Like, you know, you, you look at guys uh, I was seeing in the 16th round here, like Hayden Hurst, you know, you talked about if you're not a big Pitts guy, Hayden Hurst, you know, obviously first catch of the season. He, you know he's going to catch a first touchdown in Atlanta's first game of the season. Mo Ali cox is a guy I love taking uh, in the end of tight end premiums, you know, that that's available. And, and your boy, uh, your boy, Theo Fryermuth, if, if you're living on the edge, uh, proving himself in the, in, you know, with two touchdowns there with Ben, but you know, you got Ebron, like the, I feel like e, uh, running back is very reflective of tight end when it comes to the tight end premium leagues. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it certainly it's it certainly can be um, with those tight end premiums. There's guys who I'm taking late. who I'm just kind of like, ah, I, I could see a world where it works out. Like if as I draft them on underdog, I now find myself telling myself like, well, if I like them in underdog in a half PPR format, <laughs> then it certainly doesn't make a lot of sense to not like them in a tight end premium format. Like I, I mentioned earlier, Dan Arnold, like I legitimately love Dan Arnold. I don't know if Sam Darnold's going to throw him. The football or not uh darnold to arnold just sounds like a lot of fun and espn <laughs> will have a good time with it i'm sure as well but um he was i believe like the tight end 13 in air yards last season the tight end 31 in targets like he is a legitimate downfield threat he's a decent tight end i think he just kind of needs to find a, a team that's going to be willing to give him more targets it's not going to exist in arizona um i i like him. andrews over hawker pitts yeah, yeah i agree exactly. with that yeah yeah exactly i'm not a pitts guy so I, I want to be, but not quite there. A little bit. Jawan Johnson. <laughs> I had to throw that up there. I mean, in an 18-team league, absolutely. All right, guys. Zach has been extremely generous. We're at a we're at we're at a buck <laughs> fifty-seven right now. Uh, you guys should be just throwing throwing cash this way for all the goodness that's been dropped. Uh, Theo, Theo, and Dan. Anything we haven't touched on? I know we tried to cover. You know a bit of everything uh focusing on redraft and best ball just because that's kind of the feel right now out there in, in fantasy land not as many dynasty leagues and if you want to drop the dynasty league go check out my ffpc.com but anything to add guys uh with with you know what we're we're trying to pick uh zach's brain with tonight no i i think we we touched on pretty much everything i thought that that was um great it ended with the tight ends um but the I thought I thought we really touched on pretty much everything. Zach was really really sharp tonight and brought some really really good insights onto the show. Thank you guys. Yep, absolutely. Dan, did you want to bring in any animals to compete with? Uh... <laughs> well, honest to God, uh, you know, I, I kept thinking that my cat. Had, over. I I kept thinking my cat had wandered into Zach's screen because. <laughs> My cat is has the exact same coloration and markings and everything. I mean, it's like it, it's crazy. We'll we'll so, have to get like a side by side. We'll we'll yeah. do it in DMs and then we'll tweet it out. Do like a side by side. There we go. Here you go, guys. Here you go. Here's the other one. Just so. oh, here's the other one. Oh yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah, she needs a diet, but she's all right. As to, tonight, tonight was a fun show. Uh, you know, we, we seem to we don't do it on purpose, so we apologize if we kept you guys long. But obviously, by the comments and just people participating tonight, you guys were enjoying the goodness that we were dropping, especially our boy Zach. Zach, 
Kruger, remind the people. I mean, dude, your your goodness is in all the best places. Let's put it that way. So just remind them where that is. Remind them where you can find anything else or anything else you have coming up. Uh, just drop it right here. Sure. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks, first of all, guys, for having me on here. A lot of fun doing this show. Super cool crew here. Uh, lots of lots of laughs, lots of fun. So definitely the most fun I've had on a podcast, probably. Uh, you know, podcast or live stream, for that matter. That includes my own as well. So thank you for having me on. Um, you can find me on Twitter at ZK underscore FFB. You can check out my articles on Rotovision 444. Um, I have admittedly been back on the articles just a little bit because I just kind of visit some other stuff. But articles will be definitely live and running during the regular season. Uh, I have not been slacking on my live stream. That's something I've been trying to actually ramp up a little bit as we get closer to the season. That is um, Roster Lock, a best ball show over on the road of his YouTube channel. Tomorrow, I will have Denny Carter on at 8.30 p.m. I will have Mount Schauf from Draft Sharks on Friday, and I will also have Ian Harditz on August 30th. I don't remember what that is, but August 30th, I know is a date for that. So I'm trying to ramp up the guests that are heading into the season. We're just get on there, talk a little bit of best ball shop, usually do an underdog draft or something like that, have some fun. Um, and then outside of that, um, you know, just, yeah, live streams, articles, Rotoviz, 4 for 4 and uh, Twitter. If you ever have anything you want to say to me, good or bad, I'm there to listen to it or ignore it. So uh, <laughs> hopefully not ignore it. <laughs> hopefully not ignore it. Hopefully it's something I want to respond to. But, yeah, uh, ZK underscore FFB on Twitter. And uh, thanks again, guys, for having me on. A lot of fun tonight. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, so, pleasure was all ours. For yeah, sure. totally. Totally. Pleasure is ours. It's it's always nice when uh, the, the goodness that's being dropped on Fantasyland reflects the person behind it. And uh, we, we've been very fortunate. Doesn't matter if they've won six digits, they write for three sites or one site or everyone's just been. That's the beauty of Fantasyland, man. Like everybody is just on, on a on a good vibe. And you brought that tonight. That's why we went over two hours. So we appreciate again uh you sparing your time and anyone around you that's allowed us to to get you for this long so we appreciate you guys smash the smash the like man zach has dropped tons of goodness tonight we hit best ball we hit redraft we hit dynasty we hit a lot of different components guys a bunch of notes on the piano as we say dan i mean you, you you're one of the greats you're one of the wisest uh not to put any pressure but you know <laughs> any closing thoughts true, or so true, even right? if it's just reflecting on what zach's brought to tonight's show i just feel like tonight's show is just loaded with goodness yeah absolutely i did that great great energy and great uh you know great information all the way through uh just really really appreciate that uh you know and somebody you know i, I always just really appreciate people who are out there you know, just drafting their ass off like Zach is. And, uh, you know, because you just learn so much from that. And uh, when you get a chance to compare notes with somebody who's doing that, um, it's just, it, it, it's great for everybody all the way around. So uh, I, I, I've i been learning as much as everybody else. I like, uh, I like Zach's approach to the game. And uh, so thanks for coming on. Yeah, cheers, no, absolutely. Dan. And we've had that, uh, we we had that video draft that just went live too, correct? Both. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. That was awesome. Can someone pump that out. Actually, yeah. Let's. Play? So, yeah. so guys, check out uh, Billy Musio. Check out Fantasy Data. Um, basically, what 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 Billy put together again. We talked about earlier. Had an idea and just like acted right away and got some of the best in the game. Put a draft together. Theo, am I am I good here? You're good. Yeah. All right. All right. Sorry. Um, and, and and just basically did something that not a lot of us that are on this end of, of the camera or of the, the production aspect of it would want to do. And he literally just took, no, seriously, like for him to ask everybody 
to comment in a video about the pick and he put everything together. I mean, dude is he's he's awesome in many ways, but that's something that is of huge value to fantasy land, especially with the people behind it. Uh, Theo and Dan, I don't know, you guys are part of it. Anything to add on that? I mean, just no. the editing alone on that. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go, go ahead, Theo. And he's, he's also, Billy's also made it, it's five hours long. Um, you know, it's 18 <laughs> rounds of, of commented picks, but he's broken down where, where the, where the video starts for each player on YouTube. So you can go search. And if you want to hear yeah. the drafter of Derrick Henry, you don't have to watch, you know, the picks before you can fast forward right to Derrick Henry. So it's a very, it's about as user friendly as you can get for a, you know, a five hour video. Um, and there were some tremendous drafters drafting against one another. Um, you know, Zach had a team. Dan, JD, and I split a team. Um, Abib Agbatoba, um, the the winner of last year's football guys. Um, first and fifteenth guys. Yeah, first and fifteen guys were in there. Um, you know, you had the draft sharks guys in there. Really, really. I mean, you had some tremendous drafters um, sharing their yep. insights, and we're also competing. Each of us put money into it and are competing for a hundred thousand. Um, most likely the, uh, the champion does not come from, from this draft. Um, but we were going, we were certainly going for it. And, um, it was a great process for us to, to be a part of. And, uh, Billy definitely deserves a lot of credit for, for getting everybody together. Um, great guy, great drafter and, um, really, really good content, uh, producer as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, big shout out to Billy for that. It's a pretty killer video for five and a half hours or whatever it is of footage. Absolutely insane. Um, also, a quick shout out to his name on Twitter is xdeath underscore dealers x. Um, yes. I think he's more of a I think he's more of a uh, fantasy content fan than he is a, a creator. But he he also he me. also drafts in the uh, he drafts in the FFPC. Um, he's he does. Death Dealers has been he's been doing a lot of um a lot of one twenty five entries in the FFPC. Yeah, yeah, he does. He's a super cool guy. I actually had a chance to meet him at the Fantasy Expo and. Uh, his name is Hillard. For those of you who maybe don't know, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing his first name. I don't know his last name, but his name is Hillard. He's a super cool guy, super nice guy. We met him at the expo and the, the crew I was hanging out with that night. Uh, Hillard would not let us buy a beer. Um, so I just want to even just really quick hat tip to him real quick for just being a cool guy who threw us a good idea, who let us make five and a half hours worth of content for, for people to consume and have some fun with. And uh, Hillard, if you're listening, it was an awesome meeting you at the expo and uh really appreciate you just contributing to an awesome idea for being so generous at the expo the other day so shout out to you for that i'd uh hate to discuss this and leave you out of it so hats up to you for that as well man yeah i was gonna tell theo and dan to throw like his twitter handle on there to so everybody can follow him and stuff but now that you mentioned like free beer and fantasy football all in one dude i don't know i don't know dan not don't a good post idea it right? because i need to get free beer again next year <laughs> all right <laughs> I don't, I don't want to run him dry on free beer money. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. He sounds like yeah. John McGlynn, but like with uh, with like a bankroll, you know, just just ready to share with the people. Yeah, he's there a really cool guy. All right, guys. Um, tonight was a ton of fun, a ton of goodness. We we joke a lot, but uh, again, we appreciate Zach for uh, hanging us out with us tonight over two hours, and you know. Kudos to you guys, man. You guys hung out with us, literally, uh, the people in the, in the chat in the that are watching the live stream. We appreciate you guys. If you're not watching the live stream, maybe you're, uh, you got this on your podcast platform. Make sure you check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe. Smash the like. 
uh, we're on here on the regular. You know, I, I kind of skipped the beat earlier talking about it because I'm not used to Den, all this goodness. I mean, we got Andrew and Theo dropping the half milli billies. Uh, we did a half milli billy last night with a 350 buy-in for the uh, five 500 on uh, the Football Guys Championships on FFPC. Like, we got drafts, live drafts going. We got the top-end guests that you can find anywhere when it comes to to you know to analysts when it comes to players when it comes to winners when it comes to guys who have won a quarter sorry let me rephrase that three quarters of a million dollars playing fantasy football guys i mean where else are you gonna find it it's it's right here guys make sure you check us out uh with the subscribe button with the like theo why don't you give me a quick uh one or two i know i'm putting you in the spot i do it every week maybe you'll maybe you'll catch on eventually but let let the people dude you've been bringing in such goodness let the people know give them a sneak peek don't give them the whole like they they don't want to see the whole scene just like peek through the curtain something coming up uh in, in the next little bit out here in the goat district um we i mean we have a great we have some some great guests lined up for the basically the next month um Scott Pianowski from Yahoo comes on next next week. Um, we have Matt Modica, who's a tremendous uh, high stakes player in the NFFC streets in baseball and in football. It's coming on in September, um, and we're we're lining them up. Um, Dan and I are Dan and I are splitting a main event team um, in Las Vegas. I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna do a uh, a recap show on that. Um, Dan and I have another uh, main event event team coming up on September 5th that we're splitting. Um, so we're uh, we're drafting. Uh, we're we're bringing on some great guests, and, and we're we're grinding. It's uh it's almost the season now, so it's crunch time for us. Yep, yeah, we, absolutely. And we say it often, guys. We're we're walking the walk. We're we're drafting the drafts. We're in no draft rooms. Check us out, myffpc.com. Uh, you want to rock some go gear or any kind of fantasy type of gear? You want to support your favorite uh you know podcast show? Go check out breedingglobal.com. Dynasty Depot. Go check that out. They got some exciting stuff going on right now, especially with the FFPC live drafts, which, uh, you know, we didn't even mention. Dan and Theo going to represent the district out there in Vegas. I'm just super jelly over here because, you know, me crossing the border, especially I got like one of my shots is an AstraZeneca. I'm like an outcast now. Like, I don't even think I could... I, 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 I don't Dan, even. I don't even think it counts. I don't even. Dan, think it counts Dan I might call you about buying a, 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 a lake house because it doesn't look like I'm leaving this country for a long time. So, <laughs> you know, just, just kind of saying. But um, no, in, in all seriousness, seriousness, guys, Dynasty Depot. We haven't mentioned it in a bit, and it's because it's not because it's not important. McNamara Dynasty uh, just drops serious goodness, especially if you're in a dynasty on a regular basis. Guys, keep tuning in. We we mentioned, you know, Andrew, AMS, Schellenberg with Theo dropping the, the half milli billies. We got John McGlynn dropping the, the commissioner evaluation. We're dropping goat districts on the regular. The guests are pounding. Make sure you tune in on the regular if you want to win your leagues right now. Anything to add, guys? I don't know. Right now, it's it's kind of like uh, how we do it every week. We, 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 we appreciate the goodness. We appreciate you checking in. Smash the like. Make sure you tune in. Good luck, and we'll check you all later. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, fought the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So 
What you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now all of a sudden they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them.